This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. podcast which focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game i'm your host pd pop and with me i have the man in the north the watcher on the wall the shield between the realms of men and the undead rob porter i don't walk as a wheel that uh, still i still don't like the i still don't like the impression man sorry i'm trying i try hard <laughs> you tried all right that's that's all that matters man is Ninety percent effort and ten percent execution. That's you know what? That's true. That I think that's the story of my life, man. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, Rob is a um, member of the Competitive Forty K Admin Group on Facebook. So if you're on the Competitive Forty K podcast, which I'm sure quite a bit of you are on, or not Competitive Forty K podcast, Competitive Forty K Facebook page. Um, Rob is an admin. He's one of the main guys. Um, and if you're not, if you haven't heard of that Facebook group, I highly recommend going there. Um, it's a good source of people talking about competitive 40k. It's not always the best players. It's a, it's a, it's a, the largest competitive 40k group on Facebook. Um, and it's one of the larger 40k groups. Uh, but so, you know, so there's not going to be the best players talking all the time, but there's, there's some good stuff there. And it's, it's just a good community for people to talk competitive 40k and not just like the hobbying part. So if you're listening to this podcast, you want to get your competitive itch out, that may be a good place to go. Yeah, it's a giant resource tool, basically for anybody who's first getting into competitive 40K or people who've been doing it since third edition. It's just a resource tool for everybody to talk. Right so, on. Right. And yep. briefly, I want to touch on it because cause, uh, yeah, I thought it was very fascinating. We were talking about Game of Thrones and the North, and apparently Rob hits Moose on the regular. Oh, God, no, that is not, oh, my God, you do not want to hit moose in the regular. So. No, that's the worst. It's, it's, there's, like, a moose anonymous, anonymous that for the people who just hit moose a little too hard, I imagine, up there. Alaska's such yeah. a strange place. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're literally, you know, our, our, our state terminology, the last frontier, it's very, uh, it's very true. It's like a combination of, of rustic lifestyle combined with uh, the common... Uh, Common social developments that you see everywhere else in the lower 48, or what we call lower 48. So, lower 48. you know, yeah, yeah, you know, we don't live in log cabins. You know, we have we have fully developed neighborhoods and stuff. But you yes. know, when a tractor hits a moose and you know you're on the on call list, they'll call you to come and clean it up so you can get 800 pounds of meat. So that's a thing. <laughs> I, I, how do you get on that list? I'm gonna I'm gonna fly yeah. up there and pick up my moose. <laughs> yeah. It's it, it's it's a subsidiary program for low income housing. That's so, so people. Funny. Yeah, it's it's it works though, man. Hey, you got you got fresh moose meat and it's been freshly pulverized, so you know it's tender. 
All right. Well, speaking of Alaska, guys, on to some tournament news. Uh, the reason why I have Rob on here and the reason why I'm so interested in Alaskan customs is I will be – it's not set in stone yet, but I'm planning on attending Battlezone Ursa in Alaska, uh, Anchorage, Alaska specifically. So if you're in that area, I know there's a small, tight-knit competitive community in that area for 40K. Um, hit me up. Uh, I will talk more about it as we get closer to it. The dates for Battlezone Ursa are the 16th, or the 17th and the 16th, yes, of September. So if you're going to be in the area, Rob, I know you're coming down. You better be there, uh, barring any tragic moose accidents. Oh, no, 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 no. I'll be coming, moose or not. (laughs) (laughs) Rob drives a big rig, so the moose ain't stopping him. Nothing nothing stopping Rob, even, even if he has to crash through the convention center wall to get there. Oh, but... yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jer- Jerry Reed from Smoking the Band is my spirit animal. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so th- that should be really exciting. Uh, on top of that, I have a busy September. Um, we have the Nova Open, which we're going to be talking about a little bit at the end of the tournament news segment, um, and also the Iron Halo, which is going to be a big, huge event in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, so if you're going to be in that, that's at the end of the month of September. I'll be flying out to that in Halo. I'll be flying out to Battlezone Ursa in the middle of September, and then I'll be flying out to Nova the beginning of September. So hopefully hopefully I'll do well, and hopefully I'll, I'll get into the top 10 in ITC and maybe get some actual credibility for you guys instead of just being this random voice in the Internet that, that says he knows stuff, which uh, pretends like he knows stuff. I mean, that's not going to change, but at least I'll have the top 10 ranking. My, my God, sell yourself short at the start of the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for, those, <laughs> for those of you who just tuned in for the first time, uh, I'm bye. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just joking, obviously. I, I talk to a lot of people in the competitive community, a lot of top players, um, and so I think that that's my bigger strength is not that I am myself a an amazing, great, perfect tournament player, but that I talk to a lot of really good tournament players that try and get their feedback. Um which is kind of what why I made this podcast because there's this big 40k community um, and we all talk to each other you know in like various chats and forums um, but there's no like central podcast that brings everyone together so that's that's kind of one of the main reasons I brought this podcast along uh, that and to help people tactically and up their game um, anyways on to the rest of the tournament news uh, there is going to be the Capital City Bloodbath in Canada, in Canada land. That's this weekend. So as you're listening to this podcast, boys up in the north, not Rob's north, the other north, um, the eastern north, uh, they are battling it out. It's a major. It's probably going to be over 100 people, maybe more. Um, basically, the the Canada the Canada scene, competitive 40k scene, is really really competitive they they had the dan platt made the top eight at the lvo this year um he also went to etc went undefeated at etc even though the canada team didn't do so well he himself won all of his games um and that's hard to do even if even with that team format where you get to kind of quote unquote choose your matchups you're not going to get guaranteed perfect matchup every single time uh and i don't think dan platt's the kind of guy that would be a team captain and set himself up for success every single game uh, he seems like a really nice, humble guy and just a really good 40K player. Um, also, to further drive that point home, the guys on e- uh, the American team, ETC team, uh, the guys that went last year and the, the quote-unquote veterans, perennial winners, uh, Nick Nanavati, Andrew Gagno, and Sean Naden, all went undefeated. 
Um, so they basically carried the team to their spot, and the rest of the players all did not. So that's that just kind of goes to show you that it's it's really in that to team format. It's not really the uh, matchup so much as the players as well, right? So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, anyways, Capital City Bloodbath. Uh, if you guys are going to be in Ottawa, Canada this weekend, and you're listening to this podcast right now, head on over to Ottawa and get some gaming in. It's a three-day gaming convention. I know it's a little late, but you know what? If you have nothing to do this Saturday um, or Sunday, I think this podcast is going to air on Sunday. So if you have nothing to do upon listening to this podcast, you should just drive down there and check it out. And, of course, right I will be talking about it, the results. And finally, speaking of results, I have here in front of me the top three lists from this year's Hammer of Wrath GT, which was just four people away from being an open which would make it a crazy, legitimate two-day event that gave a ton of ITC points. Um, unfortunately, this year it did not quite happen. It's kind of unfortunate. doesn't matter. still one of the largest events on the West Coast. Um, so far, other than Bay Area Open, I think it is actually the largest event, second largest event. Um, so the Hammer of Wrath. Uh, Reese, myself, Frankie, and Brandon all attended it. Rob, did you catch any of the coverage? Did you cover it a little bit over the weekend, past weekend? Sadly, I didn't, but, you know, 75-hour week, that's 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 where I'm at. That's rough. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. It's a blur. It's all a blur. <laughs> Perfect. So, um, for those of you who didn't tune into the coverage and Rob, uh, the winner <laughs> of the whole event was actually Sisters of Battle. Sisters of Battle wow. won the whole thing. Yeah, it's actually kind of crazy. Now, I know there's going to be a few people out there who are going to be like, oh, it's not our true sisters list, blah, 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 blah. Well, be quiet. Get out of here. Shoo. There's allies. Mm -hmm. There's allies. They're real. Um, pure lists are almost dead. Um, there's not a lot of pure lists anymore. The Battle Company was actually the the last competitive pure list, and that was last edition. Uh, so if there's enough sisters in here to say a sisters list won the game, and I think the guy who won, Adrian Gennard, would say that the sisters were the models that won him the game, and the extra allies were kind of just little tools to help him. Um, so it is a sisters list. Anyways, moving on to the list, we have St. Celestine with two Gemini Superior, uh, a Ministorum Priest, who is crazy, uh, Arco, nine Arcoflagellants. Um, for those of you who don't know, if you listen to Signals on Friday, Frankie's running Arcoflagellants, and Rob, these guys are crazy. We'll talk more about them when we review the Imperium 2 Index. But yeah, they're nuts. Oh my gosh. Um, he also had has some Seraphim, uh, Unit of Dominions, uh, four Repressors. Uh, actually, sorry. He has four Dominions with Meltiguns, four Repressors, one Rhino, probably for the Flagellants and the Priest, a uh, Company Commander, one three, heavy, th three Mortar Heavy Weapons Team for Guard, uh, ma two Manticores, and two Torox Primes with the with the Gatling Gun and Hotshot Volley Gun. So two Daka Primes, basically. Um, and that's it. That's the list. 1,999 points. Um, it's actually, it's pretty. It's a pretty nasty list. Uh, it has a lot of shooting. Um, you really have to watch out for the Dominions and the Scouting Repressors, the Melted Guns in your face. Essentially what they do is they get in your face and force you to deal with them, and Repressors are not easy to deal with. Uh, and then... Adrian uses that pressure to kill your big things that can snipe out his manticores um, and, and maybe his toroxes. And then he uses the manticores and toroxes to kind of clean up a specific key area of the board that he needs them to clean up. And then he just wins. And then St. Celestine just does her thing like she always right. does. 
So it's a good list. It's really strong. Moving on to the second place list, Alan DeHessa was running a Chaos Alpha Legion Black Legion list. It was mostly Chaos and Space Marines, but there was Chaos Demons. I actually played this list round one and got steamrolled. Um, I it was an early morning for me. Not gonna make. I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, Alan made some good plays and I lost. Um, there wasn't really any bad luck involved. Uh, he just beat me flat out. He has Lord Arcos. Rob, do you know what Arcos? Arcos does. I think he's Arcos the Unforgiven. I don't know. He's the Unforgiven. Yeah, he gives uh, plus one to charge rolls, right? And then he also does. Uh, um, he's got that uh, aura ability. Shoot, I used to know what Arcos did. <laughs> uh, so he he actually he infiltrates. The reason why he's good is he infiltrates. And he's cheap. Yep. He's only 122 points. So he's a yep. cheap infiltrating character um, with a minus one to hit flat. So he even though he is Alpha Legion. He already has that minus one to hit without Alpha Legion rolls, so you don't need to actually oh, have right. him. Right. Uh, and then I think he also rerolls charge rolls, and he does does one other thing that's really good. Um, but basically, he's a little toolbox, and he summons things when he infiltrates. So what Alan does is he uses Arcos. He also has the Changeling, some Brimstone Horrors squads, some Nurglings, and some Flamers. Uh, Abaddon, two Quad Heavy Bolter Rapiers, uh, a Hellforged Whirlwind Scorpius, some Havocs with last cannons and missile launchers, and then a bunch of Malefic Lords and Magnus. Um, and then he has uh, 269 reserve points. So what Alan does is he he infiltrates up with the Nurglings, puts Arcos behind them, uh, moves up with Magnus, and then for summons a bunch of stuff and forces you to deal with everything, and then he stays back, shoots you with the quad heavy bolters, with the Scorpius, uh, and then lets his Changelings, his Brimstone Horrors, do the work in his backfield. It's, it's a... Yep. Stupidly, stupidly good list. Um, he basically just summons more brimstones, which are really hard to kill. Um, so it's just a really annoying list. Uh, I, there were plenty of opportunities for me to beat it, but I didn't. Um, it's a really good list. And then finally, third place, we have Brandon Grant. Brandon Grant won the Bay Area Open with this list. So I'm just going to pull it up on FrontlineGaming.org. Uh, actually, I'm just going to pick up BAO Brandon Grant. 2017, which is a great way to Google this list, guys. Boom. There you go. It's like the fourth result, but... <laughs> um... Internet. Ah, uh, internet. <laughs> internet. Ah, uh, internet. Yeah. But anyways, Brandon brought uh, up an Imperial Guard Battalion. That That's the biggest one, right? That's the 9 Command Point one? Uh, uh, brigade is brigade. the biggest one. He brought he brought uh, an Imperial Guard brigade. Uh, he has uh, commissars, company commanders, a minister, not a priest. Um, uh, the Primaris psyker, some astropaths for some psychic support, two Toroxes, ninety conscripts, which he's thinking about dropping down to sixty conscripts. Um, he's ninety or one hundred and twenty con. Stupid amount of. He actually, has four units of conscripts. So yeah, one hundred and twenty conscripts, um, six. Earthshaker batteries and a partridge and a pear tree. <laughs> uh, oh, and deep striking scions because you can't forget those. No, you cannot. No, no you it, cannot. Yeah, it's it's an absolutely brutal, brutal list. Um, he got third place with it. Uh, he lost to Alan DeHessa, and Alan DeHessa lost to Adrian Gignard. Um, and yeah, ba basically that's your top three lists. Uh, the reason why I went to top three was because I felt like those were those were like 
the clearly the most dominant lists. Um, there was uh, two Space Marine lists that were very similar. There was Reese's Space Marine list and Darian's Space Marine list, who both went 4-1. and one. Both of them had Gilliman, Lias Isodon, some Deep Striking Devastator squads, and kind of like a uh, Space Marine gun line. Well, Darian had a Space Marine gun line. Reese had a little bit more. He had like scouts, and he's a little bit more mobile. Um, but those right. style of lists with Isodon, Deep Striking Down, Pressure, and then Gilliman... Uh, is is going to be really powerful. I think Reese also didn't run Gilliman as well. Reese is pure Raven Guard, um, and then Darian was was more of like Isodon plus Gilliman. So you're going gotcha. to see those lists. You're, you're going to see a ton of those lists. Yeah, you know it, it, it it's coming to it's coming to the fold as these codexes have been dropping out too. It's like it's like when you're making a list, it's not a matter of which faction is necessarily stronger. It's more or less you got to ask yourself questions when you're making your list, and as long as you have valuable answers to that those questions. <clears throat> you're setting yourself up to succeed. And a lot, just a lot of the factions do them in different ways, and that's that's where you can catch people off guard because they do them in certain ways, different ways. So it's hard to prepare for all those different kinds of faction lists that can do things differently, but it still achieve the ultimate goal, right? Yes. Like like that Arcos list you're talking about, I was sitting here thinking about it while you're talking about it. It's like, man, that he's got the perfect combination of putting enough threats downrange, enough units in the backfield with fire support, and enough hardy troops to hold objectives that come turn one, you as the opposing player are already pressured to make decisions. And whenever you can make your opponent be reactionary instead of proactive, you're already you're already putting them on the back foot. You already got one step ahead of them. That's true. Um, and that's actually what I try to do with my list, um, which is that mm -hmm. it's a little similar in stylist to Alan's list, which is, which is why I really enjoyed our game. Um, even though his, he did beat me, his list was probably a little better than mine. Um, but the list I brought to the hammer. I actually just had it. Oh man, today is not my day. My computer just decided to close the browser and crash. <laughs> um, so let me just, I can recite my list from memory. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure I can um, do my best. So I have Gilliman, a company commander, uh, an ultramarine lieutenant, four Grey Knight strike squads with 10 falchions, five halberds, and four staffs in a falchion, um, 40 conscripts, a Calexus Assassin and a Calidus Assassin. Um, don't run the Calidus Assassin, guys. I I, I brought her because she was cute. Um, but for five points more, I really just wish I had a second Calexus Assassin because the Calexus Assassin is so good. I, I I underestimated how good they were. I had two Whirlwind Hyperioses, uh, two Cyclopses, Sergeant Cronus, a Whirlwind, four Sergeant Cronus, three Quad Heavy Bolters, and two Quad Borders. Um, and that was I think that was it. That was my list. Nice. Yeah. So, so um, Hammer of Wrath. I went. I ended up going three, one, and one. Um, I, I ended up winning Best Imperium, even though I shouldn't have, uh, because Reese should have won Best Imperium, um, because uh, but because they like ended the round early. Uh, Reese's last game didn't get recorded, uh, so I got it, and I was like, what? But anyways, I still made the top ten. I'm pretty. I'm pretty happy. I made the top ten. So that's. I'll, I'll take that. Um, even if even with Reese going in there, I still made the top ten. Um, but uh, basically, w what I found out about the competitive meta is there's a lot of bodies that you have to deal with, um, and if you're running like a smaller elite or army, like you're gonna certain armies are just gonna table you. Um, so you have to really, really be careful, and you have to really be cagey. Uh, I played an Eldar player, uh, Harlequins, and Eldar Flyers player, and he put all his flyers in my face. I shot them all down really quickly within two turns. Uh, and then I killed all of his vehicles because he wasn't really playing. He was playing kind of aggressively, 
Um, and then he started playing defensively too late. Uh, and then I just ended up tabling him. Um, so that was that was kind of a shame. And then if you watched my game with Brandon, with his Harlequins, he just lined up all of his Skyweavers like in the middle of the board to turn two charge me. And I just shot him off the board. Um, and a lot of armies can do that. It's not just my army, right? It's not like mine's a special snowflake army. A lot of armies can do that their own ways. Uh, mm -hmm. So you're gonna need you're gonna need to be able to deal with bodies, specifically brimstones and conscripts, because there's a lot of those. They're everywhere. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. It's all it's all and, and and when dealing with dealing with units like that, conscripts or brimstones, it's not about the quality of shots. It's the volume of shots at that point. Yep. Yep. That's that's exactly <clears throat> that. The Grey Knight Strike Squads. Um, they're they're kind of like my hidden hidden gem. I mean, they're not even that hidden. They're the be they're the best Grey Knight unit in the Codex, in my opinion. Um, but their storm bolters have four shots each in rapid fire range, uh, and when you combine four of them, uh, like they single handedly took out a um, the the Eldar Hemlock Wraith Fighter with the minus one to hit and everything. They just dropped down and blew it out of the sky with just storm bolters uh, mm -hmm. and some crack right. grenades. Right. So, hail of fire. Yep. Hail, there you go. I didn't even <laughs> use the stratagem or anything because the Grey Knight Codex wasn't out. They just shot it down with shots, weight of fire, um, like you said. But uh, so. That that's kind of like the biggest takeaway I took from a Hammer of Wrath. Um, the other thing is is every single game my opponent either told me they knew my list, and and they didn't need to see it, and they they declined my army list when I handed it to them, or I handed it to them. They took a brief second. I I always and I always offer this to my opponents. I I offered them. Do you want me to explain anything on my list? Like, is do you get it? Like, do you, is I can pull anything out. I have all the rule books here. Um, I opened my rule book twice. In the whole tournament, all between all, I brought the Space Marine Codex, the Imperial Armor Adeptus Astartes, and the Estra Militarum one, uh, and then the Grey Knights Codex and Index two. So I had five books on me, and between those five books, I only opened them twice to look at something, um, because because no one asked. It was like, okay, and I knew my army well enough. I didn't, I didn't like cheat, obviously, right? Like right, I, right, but like I was just, yeah. it was like I didn't need to because they didn't ask to like look at stuff, right? Um, so that was that was a little bit weird. And then, of course, the follow-up to that statement is, of course, people, when they found out what my Cyclops did, they were like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, this, I thought you said you knew what my army did. Um, this Cyclops is going to blow up. And they're like, oh, well, I didn't mean to do that. And I was like, well, I, I let them take back a lot of things. I was actually trying to be as nice as I could. Um, but Man, you're... You're, you're nicer than me. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, no. right. No, nope, you're, you're done. Um, you, sorry, buddy. You straight up General Akbar this scenario. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's just, it's just um, when you guys are going to tournaments, just uh, take the extra 10, 20 seconds to ask your opponent stuff. You know, like if you if you think you know their list, like if you see Gilliman and 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 like some some shooty units and gray knights and you're like oh i know what this list does like oh, just just take a take a second look uh as a great 40k player once said um when he heard when he played war convocation for the first time he completely shut down at t3 with a four up save uh -huh. <laughs> and completely shut uh -huh. out the guy <laughs> and then he lost the war convocation immediately uh so <laughs> So, yeah, and I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's yeah, I, I same thing went for me. There was a tournament I played about a month ago, right when not a month ago, about three weeks ago, when the code, when the Codex Space Marine dropped, and I didn't do my due diligence in keeping up with the rules and knowing that Hellblasters changed their plasma weaponry. I thought they're still at the rapid fire 24 inch, and basically deployed wrong, and uh -oh. 
the guy, yep, and the guy, and the, the dude had three units of five hell blasters with Golden in behind him and a chap and the uh, the banner relic, and uh, we can cover it. We'll cover it more on the mechanicum part of the of the index thing. But you know, he fired off his plasma at my castlins. I repulsor gridded back to him because um, at that point he advanced, and I was like, what, what? What? How are you gonna shoot twice? He's like, oh, they updated the rules. I saw it. And I went, oh no. So here we come, thirty shots. <laughs> Yeah. Hitting my castlins, and then I was deflected back, and it was killing his guys, and they were getting up and shooting again from the relic, so it was a, a second wave of plasma. Oh, oh no! Oh, oh yeah, rough. it's it's br- it's brutal, man. It's good to it's good to ask questions before, even while you're deploying. If you don't, if you're not sure, ask questions. It'll yep. help your game out later. Yeah, <laughs> assault. They're assault too, if I remember correctly. That's correct. Yeah. I deployed thirty inches away from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, now the one. Now I did. I, I will say that I'm a little bit of a hypocrite. Um, that same Eldar player. I didn't know what any of his flyers did. I still don't know what any of his flyers did. He had uh, a Hemlock Wraith Fighter, two Phoenixes, and a Star Fighter uh, thingy. A f- another fighter, another Eldar fighter. You guys know it. Um, it might even be Dark Elder. I don't know. But I actually didn't know what any of them do. did. But I, I knew that there was nothing in the Eldar Codex that could table my gun line as a flyer. So I just, like, when he asked me, like, do you know what these do? I was like, no, but you know, it's, I'll figure it out. Um, and so he just dropped down, like, like I predicted, didn't kill the, didn't kill anything really. Um, cause I knew that they couldn't kill the important everything. Cause I had so much important stuff and I just shot him out of the sky, but that's, that's a rare exception. I probably should have even looked it up, um, because his hemlock Wraithfire did delete an important shooting unit. Um, but I knew what the hemlock did. I just, I couldn't do anything about it. Mm, but anyways, yeah. yeah. So, that sucks the the Castellans. That's those those guys are dirty. If you if you can if you can keep them so that they can take a a slow amount of firepower and you know still advance up the board and shoot. Anyways, oh, yeah, they're, yeah. they're good. We'll we'll talk about them yeah. when we get to the Imperium Index. Um, yeah. But that's basically it uh, for the Hammer of Wrath. Uh, I ended up going three and one and one like I said. Um, nice Nova, showing, buddy. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Nova. <laughs> Which is which is really the big tournament I'm preparing for. Uh, I will be going to the Nova Invitational and the Nova Open. Um, the Invitational I talked about it last week um, is essentially you get invited to a 32-man bracket. It's single elimination. One 32-man enter, one man leaves. Uh, you get to see everyone you're playing and the factions they they chose before the Invitational, but you don't get to see lists unless they nice. give them to you or post them. Um, so it's going to be brutal. I got the 32nd seed, and because they do NFL playoff-style brackets and pairings, uh, I get to play the number one seed, which is uh, going to be Nick Nanavati, the guy who won last year, uh, perennial Adepticon winner, et cetera, et cetera. I've never played Nick before. It should be a lot of fun. He's he's a great player, and I, I always love to get a chance at playing people of his caliber. Um, so should be exciting. I'm uh, getting ready for that. And then the Nova Open as well. Uh, so if you guys if you guys have any, like, you guys send me a lot of emails and you guys ask for a lot of advice. But if you guys want to give me any advice, um, maybe you're going to Nova. Uh, maybe you've seen my list and you want to give me, you want to critique my list. Um, please, I'll take it all. Um, you know, I'll take anything. So if you guys want to give me advice, that'd be cool. Because uh, I'm a little bit at a loss right now for what I want to do. Um, but, yeah. Rob, would you have any advice for me? Um, well, get good. Roll better. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
don't know, man. I'm over. <laughs> I, I guess. I guess in that scenario, I'm just kind of like Samuel Jackson, Jurassic Park, dude. And I'm just gonna tell you to hold on to your butt. Hold on to my butt. <laughs> hold on to your butt. All right. <laughs> okay, guys, we're gonna jump into the Imperium Two Index review, which is gonna be the meat of this episode, right after this commercial break. Yo, get off the computer. I need to check eBay. I got an auction ending soon. Wait, what are you doing on the computer? I'm just buying some minis online. Are you saving money? Nah, dude, saving clicks. Time is money, right? Hey, what the heck was that for? Dude, you gotta buy from Frontline Gaming. They offer savings on minis every single day. Whoa, that's better than saving clicks. With all that savings, I can take a few days off of work so I can paint these minis. Ow! You gotta stop that. It hurts. You know what hurts? Spending three weeks base coning models. Save yourself some pain and get them painted by Frontline Gaming's painting studio. You know what? You've got all the answers. That's why I'm glad you're my best friend. I don't know what I'd do without you. I could never hurt you. What are you looking up on eBay? I'm uh, selling a bunch of old models. Don't really use them anymore. Why aren't you going through Frontline Gaming's secondhand store? You can get money or store credit. I think you broke my nose. I don't like your tone, mister. So I'm just going to say this. Head over to FrontlineGaming.org for more details. And we're back. Rob, are you ready to jump into this? Let's go into the the Swiss Army Knife of the Imperium. Okay. Before we jump into this... Fair warning, uh, there's a lot in this book, um, mm-hmm. and I have to get to work soon. So we're gonna, I'm gonna try and be as brief as possible, and um, we're gonna cover not, we're not gonna go unit by unit. We're gonna go by battlefield role, uh, similar to the other index reviews I had. Uh, and that's just to save time. Um, and like, you know, when we get to certain units, let's be honest, we don't really need to talk about them so much. You know, it'll probably yeah. just be like, yep, assault marines are still kind of bad. Or whatever, right? Actually, some right. brains are pretty good. I was just giving an example. Um, Correct. So, moving on to the Imperial Guard HQ choices. Uh, and let's just lump the all the single model, I do something cool because I'm a character, special dudes. Right? So, like, the Master of Ordnance, the Astropath, Primaris Psyker, everyone. I know, they're, I know they're all in their own little spots, you know, like the Aeronautica and stuff. But they're all they all basically do the same thing or they're all basically the same well, style of model yeah right? they're 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 yeah they're all guard the, the for, for me the one that stick out the most is well you have your company commander which is just an order platform so if you're going infantry heavy you want the extra orders oh good yeah it's totally good just to be able to throw out the the, the take aim either be rolling ones to hit rolling ones to wound or, or great get back in the fights also useful as well <clears throat> you have <clears throat> The uh, Tempester Prime, we all know why you're going to bring him. <laughs> if you're bringing Scions, you're going to want a lot of Primes. <laughs> that's that's true. That They're right? really strong. Command squads, Scion command squads are really good. Especially when you have command rods. Um, and we could, we could talk later on how my list works with using them, but the command rods really means you don't have to dedicate your Primes to every command squad for getting orders out. So that's, that's a great utilitarian tool. Um, Master of Ordnance, situationally good, but if you have a backfield artillery line like Earthshaker batteries, he's awesome. Because you know you're going to be your, your target should be 36 inches away or more, um, 
and Primera second for plus one invul saves, and Astro Pass for doing the bust for the psychics. That's all I can think about the top of my head. Is there anything you want to add to that? Um, so ba- basically, the big thing is is commissars. Also, uh, you didn't mention commissars, but the oh yeah, yeah, y- yeah commissars. The, the the beautiful thing about all these individual characters is yeah. they're all really really cheap. Like the most expensive mm-hmm. one, I think, is the Lord Commissar at like fifty five points. Maybe yeah, the Primaris Psyker. Uh, they're they're all really really cheap. Uh, and the company commander, like you said, he's thirty points. He's he's easily the best HQ choice in the book, in my opinion. Um, yep. It's he's the things he does to make conscripts better are insane. Uh, commissars are also really good. Uh, the, they make the conscripts basically immune to morale. When you only lose one guy, it's it's not that big of a deal. Um, but the guys, Brandon Grant and I, kind of gravitated towards were astropaths. Um, astropaths are cheap. I think they're only they're less than twenty five points. I think they're fifteen points base plus a staff, a force weapon of some kind, maybe. Um, I don't even think you need. I think you could just not take. Uh, they take a six point staff, so they're like twenty one points. So mm-hmm. they're they're twenty one points. They're a psychic choice. Um, I think they only cast on one die instead of two dice. Uh, so yeah, they correct. smite on a five up. Uh, but they have a big thing that they can remove the cover save from units, your enemy units um, that you're shooting at, which is really good. And at 21 points in an elite slot, and uh, deta- in an army where filling out a brigade detachment is really easy, um, is perfect, right? So you could, if you need, like, if you want command point central. So, like, I think the cheapest battalion or brigade detachment you can get right now for guard, Brandon Grant said it was somewhere around, like, 500 points. Mm-hmm. Or something, which is which is insane. So you're spending 500 points for nine free command points, um, and then you take like Gilliman for another three command points, uh, and then you already start with three command points. Um, so you're looking at 15 already, and then you take oh. your third detachment with the meat of your army in it, um, and then you maybe use that to take advantage of like stratagems and codexes because we know all the factions are getting codexes now or are getting stratagems now because the last three codexes all had like 30 stratagems in them. So yep. it's safe to assume that, that when the Guard Codex comes out or when the Imperial Knight Codex comes out or et cetera, et cetera, you're going to want those command points. Um, so I, I like I like the cheap elite choices for filling out uh, brigades and getting as many command points as you can. Um, other than that, the primary Psyker is really good. The plus one save is really strong. Um, you can give it to like Bulgren. Or, or whatever, whatever unit you want to survive. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's, yeah, you just nailed it on the head. Imperial Guard are great. The, the, okay. the characters are cheap, and they can fill out four swords. <laughs> okay, let's talk, let's talk troop choices. Um, let's, let's skip over conscripts for a second, um, because they're, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're talked about to death. Um, yep. one thing I've realized is, uh, infantry squads are not terrible um, for like poor man's conscripts. Uh, so so I'm actually going to switch over to infantry squads. They're 40 points for 10 instead of 60 points for 20. Um, but those 10 guys you're getting are leadership 7. Uh, and I don't run a commissar in my list. Um, so that 20, those 20 bodies go quick. So that leadership 7 actually helps a lot more. Um, and they also hit on a 4 plus instead of a 5 plus um, with with which a, with a uh, re-roll to hit roll of one character, which is pretty common, like a character like Yarick or Strock, and who we didn't even talk about um, in the HQ slot. We're, we're bad guard players already. Uh, <laughs> basically, a character that buffs their to hit rolls um, is, is really good. 
you know, like with the fire, 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 or whatever, the rapid fire two las gun shots essentially, and hitting on fours, rerolling ones, you're essentially putting out the same amount of damage as conscripts would do, um, but you're not as susceptible to minus one to hit penalties, right, from other units. So infantry squads are really good. I think I'm going to switch down to them. Uh, if you're if you don't want to run conscripts and you don't want to move that many models around, I would suggest moving down to infantry squads and saving yourself points. Um, you don't get as many bodies, but they have roughly the same, you know, out damage output and versatility. Uh, let's see. Um, and then of course scions. Let's let's talk about some scion troop choice scions. Uh, Rob, do you can you equip them with anything other than plasma guns? Can you? Yes. Do you? No. <laughs> I, I think melting guns, melting guns, grenade launchers, and flamers. Nice. Uh, I think they can take hot shot volley guns. Are those yeah. okay? Yeah, they're they're all right. The thing that hurts the hot shot volley guns though is the strength three. It's it, mm. it's kind of disadvantageous to actually bring them, especially when you're everybody knows when you're bringing scions or deep striking. Right. So to, to 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 throw a unit that has the possibility of actually doing some solid damage output and really putting them with a four shot strength three weapon, it's kind of uh, you're you're kind of wasting your your opportunity there with that unit. Right. Uh. I, I see it. So, I mean, and the plasma guns do so much work. That you almost don't want to take anything else. I mean, they're they're relatively cheap. They're the cheapest plasma guns you can take when compared to the Space Marines, all of the Space Marines, period. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, they can drop down and kill things like Storm Ravens, Vultures, uh, HQ choices if they get through um, Drone Command. Like, and they can kill everything. They, they drop down and they kill anything you want. And then you mentioned something about a Rod of Command. Yep. So, so the so, so the rod of command on the Tempestor Prime allows them to issue two orders, ah. um, and two different units. So, what I like to do with my list, because I I run three primes and three command squads on my list. So, what I like to do is whenever I drop my command squads, well, whether I'm planning on doing a uh, first turn alpha strike or a turn three retaliation strike, um, I like to save one of my primes and only use two of them to support the command squads, and then I use my third prime to throw across the field. To go grab an objective, and since they're so small, they can hide really well. And they're also characters too. So if you put exactly. stuff in your opponent's face, they won't be able to shoot at that Tempestor Prime. That's that's, that's actually really smart. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, speaking of commands, we'll go back to conscripts now. Um, command conscripts basically. Uh, if you're using conscripts, um, well, you know everyone's using conscripts. Uh, Basically, what I'm trying to say is if you're playing against conscripts, uh, you need to know what they're capable of. Uh, and the reason why I wanted to talk about conscripts last was not because I wanted to talk about how good they are, because we know how good they are. Everyone knows how good they are. You know, they're, they're cheap. Uh, they spam a lot of shots. They can move, 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 and move anywhere they want because they can move in advance and then move in advance again. Um, or they yes. can leave combat move and then move in advance after they leave combat. Um, so they're really mobile. They're really hard to kill with commissars. Uh, the way you beat them is you either you either you you basically don't you, you bring something that kills them outside their las gun range and outside their threat potential, and it, they don't really have obsec very much. Uh, now with in, in ITC, I guess this is a this is a if you play ITC FAQ because the ITC FAQ announced that everyone would have access to obsec as long as you have a complete detachment of that faction. Um, so the good news is, is that bringing con opposite conscripts is a little more difficult. It's not too difficult. Um, but uh, my point being is, is 
you basically you want to keep them away from you um and i think you should if you have like an alpha strike deep striking assault or shooty army you should hold your guys until turn three um, when your opponent inevitably starts making movement mistakes because if you see every player you play unless you're like brandon grant who plays conscripts and is so mechanically precise with every single model um, that he rarely makes any mistakes. Uh, but eventually, what your opponent's going to start doing is they're going to start like they're going to start like moving five inches on guys and and start moving out of position uh, and make, giving you holes to kind of like open up. And if you have long range shooting to shoot conscripts, forcing them mm -hmm. to take models, um, you know they might start taking away models where where uh, they might they might not want to. Um, I see a lot of people take the model that's the sixth the the model closest to the commissar that keeps the unit within six inches and then had mm -hmm. entire units evaporate um so that yep. does happen occasionally uh so just I, I would say that that's right now unfortunately uh short of bringing like a billion hurricane bolters and killing them all um i think that's the best way to counterplay conscripts in general yeah, but yeah. Whenever dealing with conscripts, just know that whenever you see conscripts in a list, you know the person who's using them is going to use them for three areas: screening, locking close, small um, elite close combat units, and grabbing objectives. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's their function. So as long as you know that, and prepare for it. You'll be all right going against them. Also, keep your objectives when you're placing objectives. Keep your objective placements away from the middle of the board. Um, mm -hmm. If they can set up their bubble wrap. And hold two objectives because you place one in the middle of the board. Um, that's a mistake on your part for objective placement. So that's another yeah, quick that's thing. That's correct. But yeah, you're right. Screening, <clears throat> objective placement, uh, and tying up units in close combat. That's pretty much the thing conscripts do, and they do it very well. Oh, yeah. All right. On to the heavy supports. Rob, take oh, it I'm away. Oh, I'm sorry. You said, you, you said Wyvern weird. Wyvern? Oh, heavy supports. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now the, Go ahead. There's a lot of good choices, though. There's a lot of good choices in, in the heavy support. Um, the, the, the big shiners for me is obviously Wyverns, uh, Mana Cores, Basilisks, and heavy support squads for me. Yeah, you, um, I mean, you pretty much got it. Uh, there, there's Forge World options as well, but we're not really going to talk about those. Um, but, but yeah, Wyverns, Mana Cores, Basilisks. If you are on a Chimera chassis uh, and you can shoot across the board, preferably without line of sight, um, you were a candidate for being the best heavy support choice in the book. Yep. Pretty much. Yep. And that's, and that's, I mean, each one functions their own way. Heavy support squads are nice because they're, you know, you, you bring them with mortars. They're nice and cheap. They're indirect fire, so you can hide them. They're a small model profile, so they can hide behind a lot of different pieces of terrain. You can buff them with something like Harker or Yarig, but you're one, so solid there. Wyverns, Basilis, same thing. Put a Master of Ordnance next to them or Harker. They have indirect fire. Ba Basilisks are there for doing high-strength, multi-wound shots. Wyverns are there to clear the board of um, big objective-scoring units like Brimstone Horrors, Conscripts. That's what they're there to kind of take care of. And the Mana Core is, is mean. He can do a lot of damage, but um, he can only fire four, t four turns in the game, so you have to be kind of precision on how you use him. He's kind of like your anti-knight, anti-big tank. And uh, that's pretty much that's, that's it in a nutshell, really. Yeah. Um, going back to the Heavy Mortar teams... Uh, those are those are gaining popularity steadily. Uh, it's, the reason why is if you don't know what they do, they it's 27 points for three mm -hmm. dudes, um, and each of those dudes has two wounds each. So you're spending 27 points for six models, which is already conscript levels of efficiency in terms of wound counters. 
Um, mm -hmm. And they fire indirect 48 inches, and they're D6 shots each. So each unit is for 27 points. You have three D6, strength four, indirect fire, 48-inch shots mm -hmm. with six wounds buffed by a character. And I believe there's a, there's a command or an order that lets them reroll to hit wound rolls of one. Reroll to wound Correct. rolls of one. So, so you take that, and then you take like a company commander with two of them, and then you take Gilliman or uh, Yarrick or Strachan to give them reroll to hit rolls of one. Uh, and you're looking at a pretty efficient unit that can kill anything short of like toughness eight things, pretty efficiently. Yep, yep. I mean between 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 Harker and a command and a company commander, I mean that's already a 81 point investment, which is nothing. And it's nothing. And then when you when you swap them with 12, you know mortar, you know four four mortar teams of three man, not only are you filling out your brigade slots at a very cheap point efficient rate, but those shots become a hell of a lot more reliable. So yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so that that's something you definitely want to look into. Uh, wyverns are are similar um, but better. Uh, they're on a they're a little more durable and they're still really cheap. If if your unit is under a hundred points and is hitting things across the board, you know, with strength four, strength five, like more than six or seven shots at a time, that's probably really good in general. Mm -hmm. That's especially when it's indirect. Especially when you don't need line of sight, yeah. Um, so yeah. that that's pretty much for those heavy support options. Uh, there's not really anything else that I can think of as I'm looking through it. There's not really anything worth maybe mentioning. I guess Lehman Russ is. So if you're if you're a huge Lehman Russ fan, um, the tank commander lists can catch people off guard. Uh, I know the meta is shifting away from toughness eight. So if you want to be able to deal with toughness eight, uh, you you um. You, you're going to have to invest. Basically, if you want to be able to deal with toughness 8, your investment is not going to be as um, big or you're not going to have as a valuable investment um, because you're going to see less and less toughness 8 models, right? So yeah. a Lehman Russ army might actually be more, be like a meta buster, um, especially if you back it up with OPSEC conscripts that instead of the OPSEC conscripts uh, going out and like stealing objectives and screening... If you just use them to protect the Lehman Russes from other people charging them, like just like yep. a tiny screen, like you don't even need to like screen them from Melta or anything. You just need to stop other people from charging your Lehman Russes. Um, and you can also do that with like Grey Knight allies or um, assassins or, or things that can get in front of the Lehman Russes, keep up with them, and deter your opponent from charging into them. Uh, that might be an interesting army to look at, so... Uh, and then, of course, Lehman Russ is, there's like a billion Lehman Russ chassis variants. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so you know, you switch Pick your flavor of what you want them to do. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so so you can actually easily build a lust around that. Um, so that's just something to think about. If you're a Lehman Russ player and you're worried about your Lehman Russ army, um, more and more people are going to be moving away from dealing with Toughness 8. Mm -hmm. So that might be something to think about. Absolutely. That's pretty much it. Yeah, pretty much a nutshell. You want to move on to elites? <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's go on to elites. Well, actually, let's just. Uh, is there any elites? I guess. I guess we can talk briefly about um, about command squads and uh, Bulgren. Are Bulgren also elites, or they heavy support? No, they're, they're elites. Yeah, they're elites. Uh, Bul Bulgren. So okay, and Rattlings. Okay, so there's actually there's actually a lot of good elite choices. Um, right. So, it, it, I'm not actually sold on the Rattling sniper spam army. Though I know a billion other people on the internet are, 
Um, and considering I was wrong about the Clexus Assassins, which I will fully admit, I thought that that unit was garbage. It's actually amazing. Um, Rattlings, I, I don't know much about. So I think they're like Toughness 2, uh, and they either do they infiltrate or they deep strike. Let's... Uh, they, 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 they do a uh, infiltrate move. They do. That's more than 18 yeah. inches. So, so they can't infiltrate um, closer than 18 inches from enemy models. Um, mm -hmm. And they also have stealth, so they get plus 2 to their, their cover save instead of plus 1, which is alright. Um, but essentially, they're just really cheap snipers that can infiltrate for the perfect shot to get the perfect shot on characters. Um, Correct. And they're cheap, right? I think they're like 40 or 30 points a unit. Uh, 30, 35 points for a unit. Right. Um, so that might be something worth looking into. Uh, we're, it, it's funny because there's a lot of good snipers. There's a lot of good cheap spammable snipers in the game. And people still aren't moving away from using cheap HQ choices. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, you know, on the sniper thing for me, I feel like making a strategy around snipers, I feel like it's kind of a trap because you're really making your units very niche, which isn't going to help you when you go to a tournament and you're going to be facing all kinds of lists. Um, I think though, if you, if you do bring the snipers, you need to have a priority goal on what they're going to be actually doing instead of just going like, you know, a lot of people bring snipers and go, well, I'm going to go after your warlord, which is, which is, I mean, an obvious choice, but a lot of the big warlords that we see now, like, you know, Gulliman, Belisar's Call, they can take a lot of hits and right. come back. So it's kind of a trap. But if you use them to knock out, like you were saying, the support characters, like the, the odd end commissars, platoon commanders, um, your, 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 your odd end support buffs, then they're great. I mean, even, even on assassins, um, not the collects so much, but other assassins like the Eversor, the Calidus, they, they can put a threat on them because they've only got five or six wounds a model. Right. And you can target them out, right? And with a four-up invul save, you're still wounding on fours. So, I mean, with, with, with 20 Rattling Snipers, you'll be able to knock them out. That's so true. It, you know, but it, 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 I feel like it's kind of a trap. Like, if you make a list with the idea of snipers, you're, you're kind of setting yourself up, in my personal opinion. I, I also agree with that. Um, I see people, they, people are bringing them. And so, so the, you know, there's, they're, they're good, and there's at least some success in them. Um, but I feel like competent opponents can easily outplay them. Uh, right, so like if you if you are a guy with company commanders um, and a commissar, right, and you see your opponent has like five rattling squads, uh, all you need to do is you can put the commissar behind a chimera or behind yep. models or in a corner or or whatever, so that the rattlings, because you know they're only thirty six inch range guns, right? So that that's not the whole yep. board. That's you can still kind of figure out roughly where your opponent can shoot your model. Um, so you can put your model like. Like, basically, out of all the potential firing lanes. Or you can put them so that not all the Rattlings will be able to see the model in a particular firing lane. And also, the Rattlings will have to be out in the open to see the model. Um, so you can kind right. of manipulate where your opponent wants to put them. And if your opponent puts them in a spot where they can't shoot immediately, uh, and you know that they can't shoot immediately and they have to move to shoot, uh, you're already diluting their ability to do well. Because even with, like, the cheapest characters... Uh, unless you bring like five or six units of rattlings, three rattlings aren't even guaranteed to kill like a commissar or primary psyker or or whatever cheap squishy HQ choice. You know they could still mess up. Yeah, absolutely. They're 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 great for point efficiency if you want to meet a brigade detachment. But but beyond that, and the weird little niche where you do pop a commissar, that's about as far as I see them going. Especially since they can't get any kind of character support. So. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now Bulgren. Let's talk about Bulgren. Uh, Reese. Oh loves these guys so what reese does is um he he puts a primary psyker 
behind Bulgrin to give them a plus one of their saves, so they have a one plus save. Uh, mm-hmm. So essentially, they're they're almost impossible to kill, and then they just plow through your opponent's army. They're, mm-hmm. they're really hard to kill. Um, I played it a few times. Every time I played it, I have successfully gotten plowed through or been the plow e, so to speak. Uh, have you had? Have you tried Bulgrin using Bulgrin at all, Rob? I haven't, but that's because my faction Mechanicum already kind of fills that 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 dexterity that I need. Right. So I haven't I haven't had a need to look at them. Fair personally. enough. You know, and, and also I run a gun line, so I don't I kind of commit myself to shooting. I don't so I don't have any kind of assault choices. So, you know, is that is that not a diverse list? Very much so, but it's for me it's it's something that that I'm kind of comfortable with as far as where Mechanicum's at now. So. Okay. But but they are but they are rough though. I've seen them in action and they are rough. That the, that those Bulgrin malls plus two strength, AP minus one, two damage. That puts them at strength seven. That's a lot of high strength attacks. That that'll that'll threaten any kind of um a, a tank knights. I mean they're not something to ignore, right? They yeah. they can really put out the hurt, especially Expen- since they hit on threes. Yeah, expensive, but um they're not they're not crazy expensive. Like I think like a max unit of them is still cheaper than Gilliman. I I want to say, um mm-hmm. so so. They're definitely something worth looking at, especially if you're looking for like counter charge elements. If you have a gunline guard army or gunline imperium army, and you need like the closest thing possible to a Death Star, the, you take some Bulgrin, and I, I would say two primary psychers, um, just just so you can you can like cast Smite with both of them if you need to. They're a little more reliable. They're still cheap too, uh, and they yeah. take up HQ slots. So I, I would maybe run something like that. Um, and then other than that, uh, for the other elite choice veterans in chimeras reese has had a lot of success with uh basically what he does is he brings veterans and chimeras uh and then loads them with special weapons for a certain task and then just kind of drives around the board and when they need to pop out and shoot stuff they do um that's that's pretty much it so i I haven't seen a lot of people use that so i think reese is kind of weird when he says that that's really op but anyways reese is a weird guy <laughs> yeah, veterans are basically your. I'm cheaper than a space marine. I brought three special weapons, and I'm inside of a rhino-esque vehicle that has more shots, and that's yep. pretty much it. But, that, yep. you know, yeah, sounds about right. Yep. It's gonna be a little annoying mm-hmm. to kill me. I'm ten wounds, so yeah. Exactly, exactly. All right. Um, and then the other elites. Oh, elites. Good. Uh, you got more elites. Command, command squads. Oh yeah, yeah. Command squads. Yeah. Everybody knows what they're there to do. You max them out with plasma guns. Um, if you bring Scion command squads, which should be the ones you're bringing anyways, they deep strike in, they office strike, they can get within rapid fire range, eight shots, you put an overall on them, reroll and ones to hit, strength A, two damage, minus three AP, they're going to put a hurting on somebody. Yeah, yeah, the, it, it's kind of it's kind of funny because the um, the Scion command squads last year were, were never used, um, but they mm-hmm. actually weren't terrible because last, last edition they could put like melt they could do the same thing essentially but the deep strike was less reliable um mm-hmm. uh but like last edition the regular astro military command squads you would put them like in a vendetta right or a valkyrie or whatever, right. whichever one you want and then load them up with whatever special weapons you want and then at the end of the game they would do a thing similar to what the scion do, command squads are doing now um so if you played yep. command squads last edition the command squads this edition haven't changed, except the Scion ones are doing the same thing the command squads were doing last edition. That's pretty it. much, yeah. That's pretty much it. All right, fast attacks. I'm going to keep this brief. Uh, there's there's uh, 
really only one valid competitive fast attack option in my opinion, uh, and that's the Scout Sentinel, and that is because they are cheap, and they scout move up, uh, and that can add an extra layer of bubble wrap. Um, other than that, I don't really see a need to bring like Hellhounds or any of the other fast attack options. Uh, may, I might be raw, wrong, Rob, but as I was looking through the list, I was looking through the fast attack well, options, and I was unimpressed. I, 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 yeah, pretty much. The one honorable mention I will make with Hellhounds, though, is that the basic Hellhound with an Inferno Cannon, he or, or the Melta Cannon, based on which one you need more of, is a good choice if you're doing a full armored list, because you can use them for either your your tech equivalent um, removers, so like deep striking terminators, stuff like that. The melted cannon's good for it, um, you know. Or you can do your uh, uh, inferno cannon to help try to clear, uh, you know, uh, objective scoring uh, troop units. Um, with that 16-inch range, you can kind of move yourself up into position to actually do the hits, especially since it's automatic hits, right? So, it, it yeah. But beyond that, it's kind of that's pretty much it. <laughs> yep. Um. Uh, there's there I, there I do saw a lot of people bringing rough riders um with with like mixed success uh I don't I know that rough riders are are they, they hit a little hard better in close combat they've gotten better since last edition um but I feel like people are using them more for for being cool than actually any sort of you know efficient like you know I get to use this model um but if you are feeling fancy and you want to bring some rough riders they do make good cheap counter assault units uh that are also very fast yep. um so so that might be something to look into if you if you really need desperately need that in your army and you feel like that's the way to go rough riders not bad uh and then of course finally the lords of war and well let's talk about the transports real quick um chimeras and torox primes are really good yep, de facto they of, of course uh chimeras have gotten better um, they hold veteran squads. I'm surprised I don't see a, more Chimeras, um, but I think people are, are afraid. Uh, people are so hung up on the 20-man conscript blobs, um, and they obviously they can't fit in Chimeras, uh, and obviously you don't want like mortars, and you can't fit like basilisks in your Chimeras, so there's not really a lot of stuff that can ride in Chimeras uh, that you want to take, but Chimeras by themselves are really good. You can give them two heavy flamers. Uh, you can put HQ choices to protect them if you need to in Chimeras, um, and they're not bad. Uh, and then obviously the Torox Prime is the most powerful thing ever. It's really good. <laughs> uh, I, I've seen, I, I think I'm glad people have kind of figured out that spamming them isn't the way to go because spamming Torox Primes was terrifying, especially to me um, as I first started in the game. So essentially like, like Reese and Frankie, they're play testers. They've been playing the game a lot longer than I have. So when I finally got to start playing 8th edition, they were like, okay, Pablo, let's do this. You've been kicking our butt in 7th edition, so let, let's show you what I've got. And Reese's uh, um, Torox Prime Scion spam list was was the dirtiest thing I've ever seen. Right? Like, he would just sit in the back with all his Torox Primes, give them all orders, and just shoot me off the board, and I couldn't do anything about it. Like, oh, I'm dead again. Yeah. Matter what I do. And then you have all those psych the scions for null deploying and dropping in where you need them. Yep, it was it was a brutalist. Um, but if you if you're uh, playing primes or if you're playing against primes, you want to know how to beat them. There's two variants uh, essentially. Um, there is the DACA variant with the Punisher Gatling gun up top and two auto cannons or two hotshot volley guns, whichever whichever your opponent picks. Um, but it is essentially equals out to like about thirty something strength four shots. 
that don't get a minus one hit penalty on a vehicle that moves really fast. So there's a lot of Daka in there. Brandon Grant uses them for counter horde assault charging. Uh, so he he like like if a Tau gunline sets up in front of him, he uses the Toroxes to kill all the drones or all the conscripts or the brimstones that his opponent summons or or berserkers or whatever strength four can kill. He uses his Toroxes to kill those. Um, and they're also cheap. They're under 100 points for for 30 shots, 30 strength four shots. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is they're, they're, really they are just cheap anti horde gunboats. And if you got to kill vehicles, <laughs> we already learned volume of shots will take them down, right? <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. Um, they also uh they hit on a three plus, which is something that uh it's kind of cool and unique to guard. Uh, they, so they hit on a 3+, plus, which is which is really powerful, especially if you give them a reroll to hit roll of one bubble from one of the units. Um, and they also have another variant, which is a little more expensive, which is basically like missile launchers and, and auto cannons or missile launchers and last cannons. I forgot. I think they can take last uh, cannons. No, no, it's, it's uh, missile launchers. They, they, they can take those uh, Typhoon missiles, I think. Yeah, it's it's the, the Torox missile launcher yeah. uh, and auto cannons. Yep. Uh, and they base that variant basically sits in the back at 48 inches with company commanders to give them orders or not company commanders. Tank commander. You can give them orders, right? Uh, 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 no, actually no, because scions have a different regiment keyword than Imperial Guard, believe it or not. So Tempestor Primes can give them commands. I uh, nope, because commands are two infantry units. Oh well, never mind. Yeah. They can't use. Commands. But you put Gilman uh, back but... there. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there you go. You put Gilman back there. He's giving him rerolled eight rolls of one. Um, but but essentially, that's the other version variant. Um, it's not as common. Uh, if you guys watched, if you guys watched uh, our Bay Area Open Facebook live stream, um, there was a guy with some Arctic Militarum Tempestus uh, that did run a couple of those, and he basically surrounded the board, played a Black Templar player, surrounded the board uh, with. Torox, various Toroxes, the ones that were docky were up in the, up in his face. The ones in the back were in the back of Manticores, shooting up, shooting them up. So it was, it was kind of cool. Um, that's pretty much it. Uh, and then finally, Baneblade variants. Uh, there's two that are really good. Uh, one of them is actually seeing a lot of use, and that's the uh, I have to guess which one it is. Storm. Stormlord. Lord. Storm Lord. Lord. Yep, or the Storm Sword. Well, the, the Storm the Storm Lord's the one with the Vulcan uh, Mega Bolter, or the uh, yeah the Vulcan Mega Bolter that can carry like forty guys inside of it. Which one is the one with the two d six damage shots? Um, that is the I remember if I remember correctly that is the Shadow Sword I believe. Yeah. Uh no, that's, he has a Volcano Cannon. Hellhammer. That's a Hellhammer. There's... Hellhammer. There you go. Hellhammer. Third. The hell. Yep. Thir- hell. Thirty-six hell. inch heavy two D six strength ten minus four AP three damage flat. That's really good. That one. Yep. There's. Yeah. And, and it and it, it, and it ignores cover because why not? Let's get a middle finger in there. Yeah. <laughs> just just why not? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. It's so the the two ones you have to look for are the Stormlord and the Hellhammer. I think the Shadow Sword's also another one too because the the D six two D six damage strength sixteen shots is crazy. Yep. Um. But essentially. They they both do two things, right? So like the the Hellhammer and the Shadow Sword are extremely good at at like deleting a unit for actually relatively cheap. They're under Imperial Knight cost, yep. um, but they're just absolutely good at deleting one thing: Magnus, Land Raider, uh, you know whatever. They're good at deleting that one thing, uh, and then they have some Daka, and they're also relatively tough to kill. Um, the reason why I mention these is because it they are common, uh, and 
they're not necessarily good in a vacuum by themselves, but when backed up by a guard army that has the capability to kill everything but those big things, mm -hmm. um, they're really powerful, right? So if you have a guard army with, like, mortars, conscripts, wyverns, uh, guard, um, you know, just, like, a bunch of bodies that are good at killing other bodies, um, but not really good at killing something like a knight or vehicles or, like, toughness seven rhino spam or whatever, um, they bring, like, a, a hellhammer or a shadow sword and just start deleting vehicles easily. Just pow, pow, pow. Um, and they, they only need to shoot it, like, three times, um, plus use all the rest of the guard army to really start to, like, limit your opponent. So those lists are actually really nasty. We have a guy down here, Mark Carrion, who runs a shadow sword. Uh, and with basically that list I just mentioned, the wyverns, mortars, bunch of daka, uh, and then a shadow sword to kind of just delete one or two units that he needs to delete. Um, so, so you know, yeah. he, he obviously, he's not winning a lot uh, in terms of, like, like big tournaments and stuff, but he's a really solid competitive player. Yeah. Uh, and that's just something. Yeah, and, and I'll also comment too with with the shadow sword. If you go if you go the hellhammer or shadow sword route, you know, an, an idea to help them survive longer against other shadow sword esque units or knights, right? Would be to and I and I thought about this before and I haven't tried it in theory, but get in, get in a void shield generator, even though they got nerfed. You place that in the center of your gun line, and then you take your your shadow sword, you put them up front, and you just butt in his rear end into that bubble. And then you put your wyverns behind it and make sure they're all tracked in so that, you know, because that shield works for every model, right? That's in, the, in that zone. And then you put an astropath and your company commanders inside of the void shield, actually on the platform. And then you daisy chain out mortar teams on either flank where, where there's going to be a, a gap between the wyvern and the shadow sword, right? And then you not only are guaranteed giving your characters a five of ball they ever get targeted by something like snipers, but you are also giving a five bend bolt to your vehicles, and you're also having that astro path to give your shadow sword plus one to a saves. Yeah, so I mean, it, it is it is super super gunliney castle uppy, but it, it certainly makes them live a long time. <laughs> it makes them a lot harder to kill. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're gonna be moving on to. Admech now? Yeah. Uh, so and Rob, I'm Admech, just going to let you take it uh, away with the HQs, guys, okay? We have Belisarus Call and the Tech Priest Dominus. Um, to me, as a mechanical player, Belisarus Call is kind of an auto-take. The only way I can see you not wanting to bring him is if you're trying to do multiple ally shenanigans you got to save on points, and you're not really going super heavy with the Mechanicum side of things. But Belisarus Call, he's basically a eight-wound infantry uh, character um, who gives an aura buff of re-rolling any to hit rolls for anything that's keyword his forge world, which is huge for him because if you look at the way the rule's written, it's any to hit rolls, not failed to hit rolls. So even modified to hit rolls, you still get, are able to re-roll it because any failed, not or not any, not failed, it's any to hit rolls. It gets re-rolled. That's, oh, yeah, yeah. So, that's so like, really when you have good. to move your castling robots and they get that minus one to hit, um, you're firing against Ravenguard or uh, uh, Alpha Legion, the, those minus one modifiers don't affect for his reroll ability. So that actually it makes your gun line – it makes you lean to a gun line, but it's a very reliable gun line. Um, he also has Master of Machines, which means he can gain back D3 wounds to any friendly Mechanicum units. Um, he also can do it to himself as a separate ability, uh, Artificer Self-Repair System. So he's healing back D3 wounds automatically, and then he can just heal somebody else with D3 wounds as well. 
So already you're now starting to lean towards wanting to have multi-wound mechanical models. Um, he's super tough. He has a two-up, five-up invul. He's got a solar atomizer. It's it's 12 inches, assault D3, strength 10, minus 4 AP. Does D3 damage. If within six inches, does D6 damage. So that really helps against, like, uh, deep striking, um, uh, like, Terminator-esque units and stuff. It helps to tear them. And he still has, like he did in the last edition, the Megadendrite Hive, which gives him... Uh, uh, 2d6 attacks, additional attacks on top of whatever he already has, which is his four attacks with his uh, Arc Scourge or Omniscient Axe. Arc Scourge is for vehicles, Omniscient Axe is for everybody else. But as far as a HQ, he's 250 points. He's well worth the investment if you're going to go heavy on the Mechanicum side. Um, but comparatively speaking, the Tech Priest Dominus, he kind of does the same thing. He still has Masters of Machines. Um, he still has uh, Masterwork Bionics, so he gains back D3 wounds. His only thing is he's, he's 100. With his basic loadout, he's like 143 points, I believe, or 151 points. And he basically just lets you reroll one for shooting. Not a bad buff, but when you compare him to Belisar's Call, he kind of gets overshadowed. Now, do both of those models, they can repair Castellan robots, right? Both of them? Yeah, because they have the keyword Forge World. They're Forge World. So, yep. Right. Yep. Okay. All right. So, well, you know. Um, so, let's... uh. Let's uh, go ahead and move on to. Is there any other HQ choices? I sorry, no. I don't really. No, no, that's that's, <laughs> that's the, it, that's right? The, yeah, that's the only two. That's the only two from a yeah. Account. Boom! I knew it. Uh, so, um, let's let's go ahead and go to uh the Catafron and the uh Skitari. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, Vanguard, I think, is what they're called. Yeah. So ba basically, on the troop sections, they have essentially four choices. It's the Vanguard, the Rangers, the Catafron Breachers, and the Catafron Destroyers. Which do you take? Um, honestly, right now, none of them, <laughs> but fair enough, but I'm working to get into that. I'm trying personally, I'm trying to get more invested with the Mechanicum side. Cause I, I used to, I used to play Warcon all of seventh when, as soon as that formation dropped, I immediately got heavily invested in Adeptus Mechanicus, but, um, I'm trying to get more reliant on the troops, um, just for the, for the crossing fingers of the codex release, but, um, breachers, they're, they're okay. They're not really the greatest. What hurts them the most is the range. Um, their best gun is the heavy arc rifle, which is strength six minus two, D three damage. But with them hitting on fours, they're three one model T five. They're not a bad model. It's just that there's other units in the Mechanicum force that kind of overshadow them, as far as dexterity goes. Okay. So that's what kind of makes it difficult, right? Um, destroyers are great. I think destroyers are, are probably the best choice as far as like if you want a shooting output troop unit. Um, between the heavy grav cannon or the plasma culvern, which they've upped it to 36 inch range and heavy D6 shots, um, and it's a it's a basic plasma cannon at that point. Uh, strength seven minus three one damage, or you can overcharge it. Right, they're they're good. Um, I've played them some. I like I personally like the heavy grav cannon more, just because you do still get five shots, and when you're near a call bubble, it really helps with that reroll. Um, they're a so, they're, they're they're very solid troop choice it's in itself just i'm a big fan of of castlins personally the vanguard the vanguard are great um they're 100 points for 10 guys you know they 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 move six um they all have assault weapons the radium carbines and their plasma calibers are all assault weapons so they can still advance um they have that minus one toughness aura if you're within one inch of them so they're great if you're going to complement them with a close combat unit you just throw them in there lock lock the uh, unit down minus one toughness and then you throw in your assault unit to get better wound averages Okay, so, so um, before we go on to Castellan robots, uh, I was told, and after reading them 
previously a month ago. Uh, Electro priests are actually good, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they they actually are good. Um, you have to really set up your your charge though, because their movement kind of hurts them. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, whether shooty or close combaty, it's really where do you want to fill the void in that? But they are both very good units now. Yeah, I think I think the uh, the the staff the the fulgurite priests. Let me just read real quick. Yes. Yeah. The, yep. Those are those are the ones that do mortal wounds on a six plus. Um, yep. So those are really good. So the thing about the pre electro priests um, that I found is they're actually really good counter assault um, because if if your castellans get charged by something like that they can't kill, uh, you're in a lot of trouble, right? Because you're investing oh, yeah. so much into it. So uh, full great uh, electro priests. They they can uh, they have two attacks each. Um, but the beautiful thing I like about them is that on sixes, because they bl explode to do D3 mortal wounds on sixes, they're actually really good at killing hordes. Um, you know, yep. you know, they hit on threes, they get to reroll ones usually, uh, and then they're, you know, strength good enough to hit, wound you on threes, most likely if you're an infantry model of some sort. Um, and then when they start doing the exploding D3 mortal wounds you know, they can kill like an easy six or seven guys with, with which after morale means that, you know, you'll probably... And they'll probably kill more than that, actually. They have, they have like, 10 attacks. Yeah. No, they'll kill probably kill around 6 or 7 guys um, after so, the so, exploding. Well, well one thing that I'll compliment them, and we didn't, we didn't touch it at the very beginning, Mechanicum have... They still have the Canicles of the Omnissiah, and that's where units like the Fulgurite Priests or even the Cataphron Destroyers will really shine more. It, because the way that the, the, way that the, the, the Canicles work now is that it's a chart of six choices, right? And you get to choose each one at the start of your turns, and then after that, if you want to, you can still use a canicle that you chose a turn previously, but you have to roll for it. And then when you have call in there, call lets you do plus one, minus one on that chart oh. roll. Oh. Okay. So you can make them more efficient. Right. So, and, and the, the Omnissiah, uh, 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 canicles of the Omnissiah, you have reroll fail morale checked. You have on the roll of a six, any even units within one inch, do D3 more, uh, take D3 mortal wounds. You have rerolling ones to hit in the fight phase. You have gain, all units gain cover. You have units have plus one strength, and then you have units reroll ones for the shooting phase. So, with your Fulgurite priest, if you can if you can time out how you're going to do your charges, right? You can plan to do okay. Your horde, I'm rerolling ones to hit in close combat. I'm just going to elect that to be in my turn because I know I'm going to make this charge. If you're fighting stronger units, things that have higher toughnesses, you know, toughness five, toughness six, um, or you want to go past the wounding on five threshold. You can just do plus one strength, and now your Fulgurite priests are now strength six instead of strength that's, five. Yeah, that's actually good. And then one other thing that that also makes them really good is they they're really durable. Uh, they have a five up invuln, oh, yeah. um, and this is before they wipe because if they wipe something out in combat, they get a three plus plus, so they get three up invuln, which that's is correct. which is insane. Oh, yeah. um, but they, <laughs> not only do they have the five up invuln going up to three plus, um, they also have the I think feel no pain. Right, uh, fanatical devotion. Yep. Yeah. So on a roll of five or six for mortal wounds and regular wounds alike, they ignore those. Right. So that's so they're just they're a really durable, surprisingly durable unit that puts out a lot of damage. Um, and though, like you said, they are slow. The whole army is slow. Right. Infiltrators yep. or Sicarian infiltrators aren't as good as they were last edition. Um, I don't see people bringing them as much. Um, you're free to disagree with me. That's perfectly okay. But. It, it, the way the Admech army plays, um, and when you read the Castellan robots, you guys will understand why I say this. Uh, it, it plays like a, a kind of like an 
immovable, unstoppable force that kind of like slowly takes up board position, um, shooting your opponent. Uh, it doesn't really have the capability by itself to like reach out and kill things um, or like go steal objectives. But if you need like a force to to hold ground and hold a specific part of the map, uh, they're really good at that. Yeah, they they they're not fast, but my God, do they live! Yes, they are hard to take down. Yeah. So let's talk about the Castellan robots um, because they are the the basically the best unit in, in that they have access to. I think, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, there, there's one more, but we'll talk about them in a bit. <laughs> okay, all right. So, so uh, real quick, Rob, tell us what they do, like in a nutshell. Um, you know, like cliff notes of what Castellan robots do and what people have to watch out for for them, and then how how do you use them and how do you how do they get beaten? How do you beat them if you're playing if you're someone playing Castellan robots and you're having a hard time dealing with them? So castle and robots in themselves, they're they're basically a six wound uh, tank. Literally toughness seven, three up save, um, right off the bat. And they have what they call battle protocols, and they have three different ones they can choose. And they change them. They start with Aegis, and they can change them at the start of their own turn, and then it, it goes into effect in the next battle round. Um, but basically, Aegis protocol gives them plus one to all their saves. So they they have a three plus five plus so automatically they're they're starting the game off with a two plus four plus okay so right there they're already an extremely tough model to kill and they come in units of two to six so you can you can already do the math and see how many wounds that is that has a four up invul save right and toughness seven it's really hard to take small arm fires on them they can have two different kinds of loadouts and you can mix them in squads but if you ever see anybody doing that then they're already not using them efficiently um, they can have these dual uh, cast on fists, which are strength 10 minus 3 AP 3 damage with an incandescent combustor, which is a 12-inch uh, heavy flamer. Um, those are great for dealing with um, backfield deep striking to just charge in and assault. Um, they do get to move 8 inches, so they, they are a bit more mobile than Fulgurite priests. So when you're dealing with things like knights and stuff, they're not, they're not bad to just charge in and try to knock them out. But the most common loadout for them and the way that I run them is with the heavy phosphor blaster. So the heavy phosphor blaster itself, 36 inch range, heavy three, strength six, minus two AP, one damage and ignores cover. And each robot can be loaded out with three of them. And on a unit that's hitting on fours and near a reroll bubble like call, it starts multiplying extremely quickly on how fast you can remove units with, the, with, with yeah, this, uh, or remove other units yeah, of this unit. Insane. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's extreme amount of shooting, especially when you take a cybernetic data smith who lets them change their protocols at the beginning of the, uh, the battle round um, on your turn. Once you move them over to protector protocol, the unit can't move or charge, but they can fire twice in the shooting phase, and that also includes Overwatch. Oh my Overwatch. gosh. So they can fire twice in Overwatch. Oh. Yep. That's really good. Oh yeah. So when you look at it as that's one robot that can fire eight, uh, 18 shots, right? And they have the vehicle keyword, which means that, like a normal vehicle, you can select each weapon to fire in a different direction. Unlike an infantry model, where each model has to fire all the weapons at one target, you can sit there and go, okay, I'm going to fire six shots there, three shots there, three shots over there. So you can all of a sudden start fanning the board at a 36-inch range to do target priority and start knocking out units yeah, like crazy. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, and they ignore the minus one... Right. Oh no, you said the, yeah. They ignore the minus one for moving, right? No, no. Well, no. Right. They don't ignore it, 
but Call's ability means that because he can roll any to hit rolls, you can you basically don't have to worry about that minus one to hit because his his reroll bubble is not failed to hit rolls. I see. So yeah, you're right. Okay, rolls. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. No, the, those guys are really good. How many points are is yeah. are they kitted out like that? So with the heavy foster blasters, they're 110 points a it's robot. It's very expensive. Very. They're, they're they're very yeah they're very expensive. Once you commit the cast on route, you're you're putting a lot of points into your gun line. But another thing too that I didn't add on the invul save is that they have repulsor grid, which any invul saves of a six, you do an automatic mortal wound to the unit that fired at you. And when you have Aegis protocol up, it's plus one to invuls and uh, uh, all saves. So that all of a sudden means that your repulsor grid flinging mortal wow, wounds is on a five really good. Or six. So on a five up, so if they're making a five up save, which which demon players know. Sometimes you you just make five up saves like like they're going out of style, like sometimes it just happens. Uh-huh. Like you know, so that's that's actually really strong. Um, so you definitely want to deter your from shooting at them. You deter your opponent from shooting at them. Um, so how how have you have you uh, had right. to basically how have they been beaten in the past? The thing the things that scare me the most with castlings is obviously uh, close combat because at the start of the turn. Aegis Protocol is great because I plan on going second. I always plan on going second with my list. Um, so I always just count on the Aegis and I crutch on it. But I always want to go to double shooting like after my first turn because turn one, I'm on Aegis. I move up eight inches. And then I, you know, next turn, all of a sudden, I'm hunkered down and I can't move. But that's okay, though, because now I've got a pretty good board coverage of the Heavy Foster Blaster. So it's going to keep you from wanting to get middle of the board and score objectives, right? But if anybody charges me and locks that unit up, then I'm screwed. Because now I have all those points locked in combat, so getting them getting into close combat um, definitely definitely hurts that army that's built that way extremely. Um, I played against Grey Knights uh, last week, um, and and shame on me for not knowing what the new codex was bringing. Because I had a Grandmaster and a Dread Knight show up with a bunch of interceptor squads that shunted up next to them, and even though I had a conscript screen. They dumped Stormbolter shots, made a hole, charged in, and I was locked Yikes. in. Yeah, no, you, you really have to watch out for, for Grey Knights in particular because they because the Warlord trait that lets them re-roll their charge rolls, that's that's really good. That's yep. uh, almost guaranteed if you drop like five units in your opponent's face, you're almost guaranteed at least two or one or two of them will get a charge off, um, which is really good. Yep. Yep, extremely hurt. Uh, the other thing that that scare that that that's a good that's a good way to take care of them, is if you have any um, low point models that can do multi damage wounds and shooting. Okay. Those scare me as well because, see, like the repulsor grid's great because what it does for me is that when I'm playing against somebody who has like a like a gullman gun line, right, and you bring last cannons or missile launchers, I invite you to shoot at me turn one. Because odds are I'm going to kill two or three of your devastators right. out of the process, right? So I'm like, yeah, please. You got you got five-man squads? That's awesome. Go ahead and just just shoot your missile launchers at me. Just go ahead and let's do mortal wounds to you at the start of the game before, me, before I even get the chance to shoot, right? But if you have things like massive uh, autocannons um, on Tarox Primes, if you have uh, even autocannons or plasma guns like command squads or autocannons on heavy weapon teams, those bother me because I know you're not – the mortal wounds to those units are not going to really uh, de- deficit you too badly, and you're going to be stacking multiple wounds on me, which I can't take too much of them. Um, if I start taking more than, than um, five wounds in one round of shooting, then I'm starting to get hesitant. So cheap units that do multiple damage long-range shooting, scary. Close combat units that can charge first turn when you deep strike in. 
with special reroll buff, scary. Yeah, I kind of want to play down. your uh, Castellans with my with my Space Marine Devastator list with the Company Ancient, where they get to shoot back on a they get to shoot again when they die on a three plus uh, with apothecaries, and I kind of want to mm-hmm. see see what happens. It's got to be silly, right? Oh, dude. Oh, dudes! So that 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 let let me go back on the story earlier that I talked about how I played against the uh-huh. Ultramarines when the Codex first dropped. So this guy had had three five man squads of Hellblasters with that new assault uh-huh. uh, plasma gun, and he had Gulliman behind him, and he had a chapter relic banner behind him. So turn one, I deployed wrong. I deployed myself to where I knew he'd have to move six inches up and then put him in my range. Um, but he moved and then he advanced, and, I, and that's when I went, uh oh, what? And then he advanced up. Goldman came up behind with a chapter relic. He dumped 30 shots into my Castellans, right? And out of the 30 shots that he fired at, I think one or two died from rerolling ones from, oh, from overcharging. But I deflected. Yep, but I, but I, so they got to shoot again and stack more shots. And then because I had ages on, I deflected back at him. Like, I think I deflected back at him like 12 wounds, 12 or 15 wounds in like different directions on the different squads, which killed those guys, which got them to go back up and shoot again. And then I repulsor grid again. So at the end of the shooting, all of his hellblasters were all but two hellblasters were killed. But oh I was God. down to one castle and I had a yeah, six man. That's rough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's stri- it was straight up ping pong all the <laughs> way across the board. Must have been, must have been a <laughs> spectacle to see, though. Call must have been there sitting there in the back like, like, vibrating slowly, you know, looking at all the shots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Blair, Blair, Blair and EDM right. just like, let's um, do this! So, so let's, uh, <laughs> let's, moving, let's move on to Skitari now. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know much about the Skitari other than the fact that I know Infiltrators and Rust Actors are um, a little worse than they were before, uh, but Dragoon Spam and Honor Dragoon Crawlers are where it's at. Correct. Um, Skatari, the best the best way to see them now, they're two different factions, but they're all Mechanicum because they all have the Forge World keyword. So I, I see them as just all one army. Um, I, I will put a nice little nod at the Rangers. The Transonic, Transonic Archibuses are a very reliable sniper rifle, but that's one of those things where it's really appealing, but if you fall for the sniper trap, you're setting yourself up. Um, infiltrators, they're great because it, it's the only deep striking unit we have. It's the only one that can do that, right? Um, so if you're going to go that that mono list route, um, they're they're great for having a deep striking unit. The cheapest way and the best way to run them, I think, is the power swords of stub carbines. Right. It's an eighteen it's an eighteen inch range three shot pistol weapon, which is great, and they all come with power swords. They got a little bit of a nerf during the FAQ because they're not they went from three attacks to two attacks, which I could argue is is is, is a good is actually a good call because a five man unit with three attacks each and a four attacks on the sergeant that's a lot of attacks for one hundred and thirty points. Um, but they move nine, they move, uh, eight inches and, uh, neurostatic aura, uh, gives your opponent minus one leadership, um, if within three inches of them. So infiltrators are pretty good. It's just, it's one of those, what are you trying to do with the mechanical list? Right. So I've, I've ran a couple squads of five before and they've, they've done well. It's all about though, where are you sending them? Uh, great for backline stuff, but against big, heavy hitting, like your Bulgrins, um, they, they have a very hard time. T3 still hurts. Um, The Dragoons, though, you're talking about the Dragoons. Dragoons are awesome. (laughs) They're they're T6, six wound, uh, three attack vehicle. They have a minus one to hit on them, which we've all learned is is a very strong uh, uh, buff to them. They have a four up save, which kind of is weak, but they do have a six up invul save. So they're a vehicle with an invul save, which is already good. Um, Taser Lances are pretty strong. Uh, it's plus three strength, so it gives them strength eight in close combat. They do two damage each, and then the sixes explode to three hits instead of one. 
Um, so they can really start stacking the hurt, especially when you charge like Marine units, for example. Um, you Now you're winning, you're hitting the Marines on threes. Uh, you're getting some sixes in there. You're winning them on twos. They don't have an AP round, but with this unit, it's more of a matter of saturating with wounds than anything else. Um, the Radium Giselle, honestly, is something that I personally like because it's that weird combination of having a sniper uh, weapon on a vehicle platform that's minus one to hit. It is strength five, but it's 30 inch range, heavy two. And it has a sniper ability on it. So that, that could be situationally good. All right. Uh, and then, uh, so that was the Dune Crawler, right? I was no, the... that, that, that was the Dragoon. The, the yeah, the Dragoon. Water. Okay. All right. So, so what, was the, what was the Dune Crawler? The Dune Crawler is the other, is the other unit that I think is extremely good for Mechanicum. Mm -hmm. um, Dune Crawler is starting out at 90 points. He's T7 with 11 wounds. Um, he does have the Forgeville keyword, which means that Belisar's Call or Dominus can repair him. Good. They give him back D3 wounds. And they come with a 5-up invul save, and if they're within 6 inches of another one, they get to reroll ones on that invul save. That's not bad. Nope. And they start with a 3-up save, which if you pop your canicles, which they're affected by canicles now, they're having a 2-up save. So you can do a 2-up, 5-up rerolling ones, which is pretty good for a vehicle. Um, they have multiple loadouts for the weapons that they can take, but the two that I like running is either the Icarus Array or the Neutron Laser. Um, Icarus, Icarus Array is pretty good. It's a great way of putting multiple shots on that vehicle, that, a vehicle that's known to not really have a lot of shot output. Uh, it's essentially 10 shots. It is minus one to hit, but it's really good against units that fly keyword because so, um, it gives them plus one to hit. So then now they're hitting on twos. Um, and the shots across the board are strength 7, strength 6, minus 3, minus 2, minus 1, and do multiple damage. So very solid gunboat for that vehicle on taking out so, fly units. So I have a question with the Icarus Array. Uh, uh, it says you can fire all three of the profiles below. So you get to fire all of them, right, right at one thing. But do you, can you target them all independently, or do they all have to fire at one thing? They all have to fire at one thing. That's the only deficit of the Icarus Array, because the Icarus Array itself is the weapon. I see. That's yeah. still pretty good, though. Ten, ten strength seven, or strength six slash strength seven shots, um, is pretty good. Yeah, uh, it sounds like it's really good at killing like things like Inari, um, Inari vehicles or assault marines or things with the fly keyword that that you want to be able to kill efficiently. Um, I think that might be the way to go, and it's also relatively cheap. Oh yeah, yeah. I think with 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 the Icarus array, it puts them at like the one thirty range for for that, which is not bad. No, not at all. But but my personal favorite and what I crutch on, because in my list I bring usually three to four of them, is the Neutron uh -huh. Laser. It's Okay. Well, so you know, so we already covered the castle and robots, right? They're strength 6 minus 2, 36-inch range, and they can put out so many shots, that's kind of your horde control. The Onagers are where your anti-tank's at. 48-inch, um, heavy D3 shots, strength 10 minus 4. They do D6 damage, but their damage rules on a one over two or always three. So it's a reliable three damage so per it's, shot. It's at actually least. between three and six damage. Correct. That's actually really good. And they do D three and they do D three shots each. Um, just for an example, uh, last, last weekend I went uh, at this local tournament I had, I shot a neutron laser at a redemptor dreadnought and got three shots, hit all three times, wound all three times, rolled damage dice, got a five, five and a six. Yikes. Just yeah, that's punched really a hole right. And it also comes with a little stubber too, which is cute. Yep. Yep, and and you can you can 
put that stubborn right. in other directions, right? So when you have when you have four of those dune crawlers and they're near call, and call's base is pretty large, so when you deploy out in a big flower formation, um, you're essentially getting four D3, strength 10, minus four shots that do D, at least three damage each, three to six. So you can you can literally, if someone's got like, you know, a, a knight, a knight-centered list or the shadow sword variants, you can kind of look at it and go, okay, well, you can really kill one of my onagers, but I'm going to return back and I'm going to dump like 28, 32 right. wounds onto you. So... Yeah, that's kind of that's they're 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 solid. That five up rerolling ones with call coming by and healing them up. They're they're very uh, very tough unit. All right, yeah. It sounds like it sounds like your list is actually really good. I don't know what I would do about about a bunch of Onager Dune crawlers. Um, that seems like that would be very powerful. Uh, but anyways, mm -hmm. so um, basically, long story short, for Skitari, uh. Onager Dune Crawlers and then Dragoons with the um, the Taser Lance. There you go. That's, Taser. Yes. That's boom. Yep. There you go. Uh, all right. So uh, we're, we are running out of time, guys, <laughs> yeah. but a little bit. Um, we're a little bit behind schedule. There's these books are. So, there's so much going on in these books. They're 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 comprehensive. We're essentially talking about the entire 40k, you know, spectrum of units and rules in five episodes. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and move on to Knights. Yeah. Um, and from here on out, since all the factions are really small, uh, we're just going to mention like like one or two things, like quick quick sentences about each faction. So sorry um, if you wanted like a full review of your faction. Uh, just if we were to full review every single unit, every single faction for all the indexes, um, I would be here literally for weeks just talking and talking and talking. Um, so moving right. on to Knights. A lot's been said about Knights. Um Essentially, Imperial Knights are, uh, uh, they're, they're basically a one-dimensional army. Um, if you're trying to run a knight army, I think the consensus is in the competitive community is that three knights plus some sort of allies uh, is a lot better than four knights. Um, and that's because three knights mm -hmm. fully kitted it out, leaves you with about 400 points and allies left to work with. Um, and then those three kitted out knights have a lot of damage output they, they're they're really good at night with with two guns preferably rapid fire battle cannon and the gatling gun uh and a carapace weapon and all the heavy stubbers um puts out a lot of daca and then the same thing with the other two knights uh oh, yeah. so that's basically it um and another thing is is because the meta is slowly shifting away from like toughness eight big models um especially with the itc power level uh restriction I would probably never take a melee weapon on a knight ever. Uh, Titanic feet is good enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. Unless... Absolutely. Good. Yeah. It's it, it. Well, it's just it's 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 twelve battle cannon shots, right? Yeah. Close combat. That, so. That's it. That's nothing. But, nothing much you can say <laughs> other than twelve battle cannon shots in close combat. It's crazy. Um, so that's that's all I want to say about knights. Rob, do you do you want to add anything else to that? No, you pretty much hit it on the head, honestly. That's, yeah. that's my consensus okay. as well. Um, moving on to the Adeptus Ministorum. Uh, if you guys, I, I do highly recommend you going to Signals from the Frontline watching the Friday episode between Frankie and myself, uh, where Frankie talks a little bit about um, his sister's battle army and the Ministorum, Death Cult Assassins, and Archiflagellants. Uh, but essentially, Adept, uh, the Ministorum, Adeptus Ministorum brings two big things to the table. Uh, they bring priests, which buff attack rolls, to mm -hmm. everything so like your conscripts and your infantry squads and your big guard hordes all get 
significantly better in close combat. And when combined with orders like the one where you attack in the movement or the shooting phase, you make a close combat attack in the shooting phase, mm -hmm. which essentially, if it's your turn, you also get to elect them to be the first one to swing in the close combat phase as well. So you're essentially getting to swing twice with them before your opponent gets to do anything. Mm -hmm. um, that's really good. Uh, and also, they have really good elite close combat units um, in the form of Death Cult Assassins and Arco Flagellants. Right. Yep. Ar they're insane. Arcos. Yeah, Arco, Arco Flagellants are... <laughs> they're they're really good. They also have penitent engines too, which is kind of strange because those are sisters of battle models, um, but they're not anymore. Penitent engines are not sisters of battle models anymore. They don't have the uh, the order or what I think. What, yeah, it's order, right? Yeah, it is order. They don't have the yeah, order keyword, yeah, yeah. Or, or, uh, which yeah. is extremely strange. Um, but anyways, if you're looking for meek grinder units. Ignore the crusaders. Uh, Death cult assassins have five attacks with the priest. Arcoflagellants have three D3 attacks with a priest, and they both have a five-up invuln. Uh, and penitent engines are crazy cheap. Toughness six walkers uh, with flamers, with two heavy flamers, uh, and a and five. I, th I think the priest actually doesn't affect them, but four three damage strength twelve attacks that hit on threes. So, so if you need meat grinders, uh, I would look into Adeptus Minestorm. Yeah, they they yes. certainly got the blunders. Uh, uh, Sisters of Battle. Um, there's not a whole lot to the actual Sisters of Battle uh, army. It definitely got a lot better, but they didn't get any new models. Um, so they still are essentially one dimensional. Dimensional. Um, they are basically transport sisters in transports with lots of melta guns and heavy flamers, um, and that's pretty much it. Saint Celestine is amazing. Um, she can deep strike. She can charge and kill things. The coolest thing is, is when she gets back up, she actually deep strikes when she uses her active faith to get back up for the first time she dies. Um, that was actually really funny. Mm -hmm. Is uh, I someone I think Adrian, uh, she he deep striked on the relic, grabbed it, active faith moved back, uh, and then and then his opponent killed mm -hmm. Celestine, who died, resurrected, and then deep striked another nine inches back. Now there's gonna be, I'm sure there's gonna be arguments about whether or not you can do that in the rules. Um, but as they read it, and as the rules judge interpreted it, he could. Uh, so essentially, Celestine moved, you know, eighteen, almost twenty-seven inches back, right, with the rel with the relic, with right, the relic right. So, shutting them down. And, and then this was behind like <laughs> scouting dominions and repressors, uh, and like penitent engines, and it, it was it didn't look good for the other player. Um, but uh, but yeah, so Saint Celestine's still amazing. She's just as amazing as she was last edition. Um, and then the other thing to know is normally I don't like talking about Forge World uh, in these index reviews, um, but for, uh, Sisters of Battle Repressors are so common that I feel like you cannot mention the army without mentioning Repressors. So the Repressor tank is a Forge World model. It's essentially, it has, it's open top, so you can shoot Sisters out of it. Uh, it has the Titanic Feet type ability where it has like, three attacks for every one attack with its dozer ram. I think it only hits on five, so it's not, like, super great. Uh, and it's it's a rhino chassis, slightly more better than a rhino chassis vehicle, so it's really durable. Um, but basically, a repressor being able to scout up with Dominion squads with melted guns that can fire out of the vehicle is really powerful. Um, so keep that in mind uh, when you're playing with sisters. Uh, other than that, I heard Seraphim are pretty good. With Active Faith, they can move 24 inches. Um, which can be really cool. Uh, yep. 
And their, oh yeah, their emulators heavy flamers are better than everyone else's heavy flamers. Oh yeah, twelve oh. inch range makes a big difference. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah it does. Um, and is that that's just their emulation flamer, not the heavy flamers on the on the repressors? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The big thing, the big thing with the immolation flamer, it's, it's twelve inch and assault two d six, so it's it's double the shots and it's longer range. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Rough. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's insane. We already talked about the uh, the um, Astro Telepathica, uh, Sisters of Silence. I kind of just want to skip um, because Thomas Oki and I, who's the best Thomas Oki, who was last year's best Space Marine player, and he's currently number one Space Marine player this year, this ITC season. Um, we talked for about two hours about how to make Sisters of Silence good, and we've yeah. just come up with the f- idea that they're not actually worth taking. They're just so yeah. expensive for what they do. They've they've all I, they've almost doubled in points if you include the rhinos that you were taking. Um, so guys, sorry, uh, Sisters of Silence, this just isn't their edition. No, unfortunately, no. Hope, hopefully something changes in the future. Right, all right, big one, Assassins. Um, oh my God! <laughs> so, so Rob, uh, okay. So on the count of three, um, we're both gonna say our who we think the best assassin is. Okay. All right. All right. One, two, two, three. Eversor. Kalexis. Oh. <laughs> there we go. Boom. <laughs> uh, so, so they're they actually the point of that was they're actually all really good and they all have their own roles um i think the worst is probably the calidus assassin uh you've, you know the the calidus assassin is going to get better as codex has come along because of her reign of terror rule um which is in the first game turn on a four up you drain your opponent's command points uh when they spend a stratagem so every time they spend a stratagem on a four up they have to spend an additional command point to use that stratagem um now that's uh, the assassin herself is not very good. She she charge she infiltrates a little better, so she can like occasionally kill a character if your opponent isn't like paying attention or if she gets extremely lucky. Most of the time, doesn't happen. She also hit and runs. Um, so what I was using her for is I was using her to like move in there and like tie up artillery pieces, stop them from shooting. Uh, but for the most part, she's relatively useless once she hits the board. Um, but the reign of confusion, the reign of terror option, uh. I found at the Hammer of Wrath, like, first off, she must have drained, like, ten, 10 command points throughout the whole tournament, which, for a, for a single model, isn't terrible, right? I had five I had five opponents, so if you average it, each opponent, each one of my opponents had two less command points to work with um, in their army, which isn't that big of a deal pre-codex, but post-codex is when everyone's using stratagems nonstop, especially units, uh, armies like Chaos Space Marines that use, like, four stratagems turn one to set up their board set up their army um it can add up and i was actually using my my uh my stratagem my uh command reroll stratagem on my opponent's term to reroll her four up you lose a command point because i the ultimate world trait on a five up you get your command point back so i was essentially using my command points to drain my opponent's command points uh and <laughs> yeah oh yeah it was dirty um it didn't. It didn't end up mattering because the Space Marine Codex was the only Codex out at the Hammer of Wrath, and I didn't play a single Space Marine player. Um, so my opponents weren't using a lot of command points. Um, but I really, my opponents really felt the heat. Like turn one, right? So like eventually, my opponents, a few of them, a few of my later opponents just didn't flat out did not use stratagems turn one. Um, so I pretty much drained like 
like five command points from one opponent, uh, Alan Dehessa. He was like, he was like, it does what? Nope, I'm gonna get by it. And then I, after like three stratagems and him losing three command points, he's like, yeah, I learned my lesson. Not gonna, not gonna use any more stratagems. But the, my point is, is that she's the worst one. She's the worst assassin, I think. Right, and and, and even her, like if you, like you were just talking in, in your game too. If you bring a really heavy alpha strike list too, a lot of people like to use their command points for for the defensive on turn one. Um, not, not I'm not counting the lists that already have codexes, but everything else is still out of indexes. A lot of people like to use them for the uh, you know rerolling invul saves and stuff like that. So if you can really put the pressure on turn one to start draining their command points, it's going to be hard for them to have more reliable rolls later in the game. Yes. So she could she could help you with that, but that's the, that's the best she's used for. You're correct. Yeah. Um, and then as for the rest of the assassins, I, I think the Vindicare is a close second to worst. Um, it's really good. Uh, it's you know Vindic multiple Vindicare assassins are really good at killing characters. Um, I just feel like since they're the most expensive assassin, uh, I don't. I just I don't feel like they're worth what they do. Um, but a deep strike. They are. I think the only deep striking sniper rifle, other than like Lias Isodon with scouts. Yeah, the, the Vindicare Assassin is one of those one of those unfortunate scenarios where he's really good in a vacuum, but then because I've I've played heavily with Vindicare, Evasor, and Kalexis, and the Vindicare for me it's like in a vacuum he seems really really good, and then you start using like one, two, or even three of them, and it you, it's kind of like well, it, it seems like the damage roll for him is always a one, right? <laughs> like he always just only get one wound on him. You're like, oh that sucks, and then somebody shoots at him. You're like, oh man, he just died, and that was ninety points. Like you know, yeah, um, yeah. It, he he he's good, but he's, he's it's like one of those sniper traps again, right? Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. He's. Yeah. Exactly. He he's um he's not. I feel like out of all the sniper traps, he's the best one. He's the one kitted out to to put himself in potential to like do the most damage because of the deep strike. Yeah. And the four pinball and then the plus one to the save the cover. Like he's he's really good still for in like in a vacuum as a model, but yeah, in practice, they just don't quite work out. Um, and then finally the Eversor and Kalexis assassin, they're both, they're both really good. Um, I recently found out the, how good the Kalexis assassin was. Uh, it just, it, against demons, the Kalexis assassin is, is absolutely amazing. The plus two to their caster rolls means things like brimstones don't get their powers off because they only roll a single die. Uh, right. the character rule, I was using the Kalexis Assassin as Gilliman's personal bodyguard and putting it in between Gilliman and other units. So like if you were if you had the smite, you had to smite the Kalexis Assassin, which means you couldn't smite anything because the Kalexis Assassin was the closest model and it can't be affected by powers. Um so that's really right. good. Uh, you can also use it to uh deter shooting, right? So like you can't shoot at Gilliman because the assassin's like literally right in front of him. So it, it is always going to be the closest model. And by the way, it's also really hard to kill and it's a character. So if you, if you really need to hide it, um, like I used my collector's assassin to grab line breaker a few times. Uh, you can just deep strike it. It's a character. You shove stuff in your opponent's face so that it's not the closest model. Um, so not only is it a character that you're hitting on sixes that deep strikes, um, but when you finally do eventually hit it or charge it, whatever, it has a four-up invuln. It's just it's a super ultra durable unit um, that has that didn't let me down any game. And I played like I, I played like two site two psyker armies. Period. No, I played I played demons round one. And I get yeah I guess Aurelio Correa and his chaos space rain army. I played him. He had some psychers. Um, but each game the Klex assassin was was an all star. 
absolutely. Yeah. As far as far as me running the Collexus and because my list keeps evolving, but I've been I keep going back to the Collexus. He, I was talking before how I use the one ten pester prime to go grab an objective because it's a small unit, right? Yes. The Collexus for me, I do the same thing with him, right? If I'm playing against a psycho army, then he gets in between my robots and the the demon units or the gray knight units, right, and shuts them down. Uh huh. If I'm not playing against one of those kind of lists, then he's another unit that I throw way downfield and grab an objective. And with his sixes to hit, he's very durable. And it's one of those, especially in the enemy's deployment zone, they're going to have to find a way to deal with him. And it's like, you got to choose, Klexus Assassin or my big robots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? oh, and here, here's another good thing about the Klexus Assassin, is its buff only affects enemy models. Yep. Remember, so that's that's extremely important. So like the Klexus Assassin and the Strike Squads were like bros you know, they they drop down on Magnus. Magnus is like, oh, I deny you on plus two. And the Klexus Assassin is like, nope. My my guys, they're <laughs> going to get their three mortal wounds spite off. It's it's going to be a true blue whoever rolls higher. Um, but, by the way, my boy Bobby G has a stratagem where, you know, he gets to reroll it and then he gets command points back. And if you try to use your reroll stratagem, I'm going to drain another command point. Um, so, you know, it, it's just, it's it's a little tiny thing a little tiny synergy that works well with with m multiple things in the Imperium Codex, in the Imperium faction, not just Grey Knight Strike Squads and Gilliman. Um, but the Klexus Assassin, I think, is is with the Eversor, who who the Eversor is also really really good um, because it's the cheapest and it charges three d six inches, um, yep. which makes it the most mobile and the most uh, the most deadly in terms of charging. Because I, I had a I have an Eversor Assassin deployed like. 14 inches away from a character behind two screens of bubble wrap. I shot one quad mortar into one of the screens, um, knowing that the guy would take away from like roughly that screen because because he didn't want to lose coherency or lose his commissar or, or and he didn't want to lose the forward pressure he was applying. So I knew he had to take it somewhere from there. And then the Eversor rolled two sixes and a one, and I rerolled the one into a six, and I rolled 18 inches and weaved through all the models. And charged the the character who was like within twelve inches, but it was like a sixteen inch charge to get to him because I had to like weave around and through models to get to him. But I finally got him, and then Eversor immediately whiffed and didn't kill him. And then the guy ran away, and then they killed Eversor assassin. But but he did blow up and do mortal wounds to everything. Right with bio meltdown. Right. Yep. So so it was it wasn't it was a little anticlimactic, um, but it was still awesome. See, I like I like the Eversor Assassin for doing things like scout cleanup. Yes, that's true it, too. Yeah, the, yeah, because because a, a lot of like a lot of Marine lists are starting to come out now in the meta. They they are kind of doing the route like Reese is doing with bringing the scouts. That way they can do that infiltrate deploy and start grabbing objectives turn one. Right. Right. So he's great because of how fast he is. To drop him down, like say there's two scouts that are that are about 20 inches, 21 inches away from each other, holding two different objectives. He's great to drop down, grab the one scout squad, knock them out. He's one model, so you can you can tuck him behind a corner or something to get him out of line of sight for most of the shooting. And then the next turn, he just jumps over and daisy changes the next one. Yep. And usually lists that bring those scout heavy uh, mid board mid mid board objective control units, they're usually going to be going really hard on an alpha strike or really hard on a gun line. So now you're forcing him to go. Uh, I need to take care of that guy behind me or else I'm not going to be able to score. Yes. Right? Yeah. So and he's a character too. Yeah. So he's, he's not exactly. easy to shoot and he's a single model. It, it's just he's a really good model. The Melt-A-Bomb has come in clutch a few times. 
uh, you know, the uh, the eight attacks on the charge is usually it's pretty much the eight attacks on the charge with the three d six charge distance with a stratagem reroll is is good. It's just good enough to get what you need to get done. Um, Especially for seventy points. So seven, <laughs> yeah, seventy or seventy five points. I think it is seventy points. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna skip the Inquisition. Rob, do you have anything to say about the Inquisition? Um, bring acolytes if you want to have cheap units to balance out your uh, half army being deployed. Yeah, for that's true. That, that's yeah. a good point. They don't have three wounds anymore. Um, Jokero kind of cute, but uh, I, I would say ultimately, until the Inquisition gets its own codex, it's kind of a lackluster faction. I was kind of disappointed. Um, a lot of their special abilities that affect the Imperium don't really affect it that well. Um, you know, uh, but but yeah. And then finally, last but not least, we've got Adeptus Custodes and Fortifications. Um, I'm gonna gloss over the Fortifications uh, because they're they're there's a lot of good stuff in the Fortifications. Um, but the rule the rules behind Fortifications are, are really wonky. Um, and a lot of mm-hmm. TOs are starting to ban them now, flat out. Um, which is kind of a shame because you need a lot of different area terrain on the board you need a lot of terrain on the board um so i'm going to skip fortifications uh simply because i don't i don't want to jump into that open that can of worms because there's there's a lot of weird wonky rules that that people like argue about um etc and i don't want to promote that yeah um but custodes finally last but not least they're not very good podcast is over good night guys i'm I'm just i'm just joking um we'll, we'll give the boys in gold their their due uh so I think that um, in terms of the Custodes faction, I think that their veteran land raider and veteran, um, their venerable land raider and venerable dreadnought, I, I, I think they're kind of traps. They're they're really expensive, and the five plus plus isn't that big of a deal um, when considering things like last cannons and missile launchers already bring them up to like a five plus anyways. Uh, so the five up invuln isn't that big of a deal, and you're essentially paying more for what a land raider would have had originally. Yeah, it, it it's and, and the fact that the that all the units themselves are so expensive point wise, it, it it is kind of a trap. I when I first played them, it was right when the indexes dropped. There was a venerable land raider, and I was reading the rules, and I go, oh man, and this is when the indexes first dropped, right? So I was like, man, this is gonna be kind of tough. And then when I got first blood on the land raider, I was like, oh wait a minute, I just really slowed you down, didn't I? Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh no. <laughs> okay, shooting gallery, let's start. So. <laughs> You, you, you know, it was kind of sad, but it was like, okay, these guys aren't as bad as I thought they were. The stats are awesome, but they're but the points just make the army so small. Yeah, it, yeah. So, so moving on to the custodes, um, uh, uh, there's actually so so they have objective secured now. They have access to objective secured now, kind of. Um, yeah. I think, I think you can't actually. I think no, because I think you need to be able to take an HQ choice. Um, in Custodes, and I don't think they have an HQ choice. No, they don't. Right. So you can take one unit of objective custodians with in the auxiliary uh, auxiliary detachment, the auxiliary support detachment, for minus one yeah. command point. Um, that is a shame. Anyways, so they they do the three up invuln. So the Thomas Oki and I were talking about making Custodes good. Um, there actually is like some potential. Um, that if you take one unit. And you you give a few models storm shields for the three plus invuln and mixing the invuln saves you just take saves on those custodes uh, and then you give everyone else the uh, guardian spear yep. with the plus one strength and the d three damage you have you have a unit 
that could potentially like do a lot of work for you in your backfield. Um, so you basically what you do is you basically just uh, um, you basically just stay back and like like cover an objective with these guys, uh, and then that's it. Right, but they're like they're gonna do a great job defending this objective. The, that objective is essentially the emperor. Um, and yeah, they're... yeah, they 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 are literally living up to their name. They are custodian guard. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're they're. I mean, if they get into combat, they're nasty as hell. It's just a matter of getting them into combat, which forces them to stay in the backfield now. Right. So. Um, and then one other cool thing about them that I like is uh, if you take the Vexilla Vexilia. Let me mm-hmm. Vexilla, yeah, the Custodes Vexilla. Um, you can give them all an extra attack when they when they charge, or they they right. get one additional we... attack in the fight phase. So so they they could with a unit of five of them, you know, you have twenty one attacks at strength six, rend AP three D three damage. Yep, hitting on twos. Yep, they will do some work. It's just a matter of getting them there. Yes. Um. So yep. so and that that's like three hundred points. Um, kitted out maybe a little less. So so they are definitely expensive. They're not a unit that they're a unit. They're a labor of love. Um, if you want to make Custodes good, um, but there is a place for them defending your backfield using them as a counter charge unit. Uh, and they've gotten better since last edition. Um, so that's basically it. Um, all right, guys. Well, Rob, thank you very much for coming on, buddy. Uh, I know you Rob. you've had a difficult day slaying mooses. I think. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but Rob, thanks for coming on, buddy. If you guys are interested in more things that Rob has to say, uh, are you still doing your Wolf Brothers podcast, Rob? Yeah, it's the Wolfkin, where you actually have an episode coming out on Monday, or will that be today? Actually, yes, today. Ooh. Dates something? Yes. <laughs> Wolfkin Podcast. Okay. We're on iTunes. Just, just there you go. <laughs> Google Wolfkin Podcast. Go on iTunes. Check out Rob. Um, he's got a hilarious group of individuals all talking about nonsense and 40K sometimes. Um, <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so check him out. Um, also, if you guys want to hear more from me, if you guys uh, you know want some advice, you can email me frontlinegamingpdpab at gmail.com uh, you can go to frontlinegaming.org click on the blog post for chapter tactics this will be episode number 39 uh, and ask for list advice uh, I I definitely am being a little more selective now um, so if I don't answer your email it's because I have a billion um, and you asked me like you sent me like just like a list and like a what do you think or like a help me build a list and then you give me like a faction and that's it uh so if you guys are sending me emails um try to give me a little bit more to go off of other than you know like sending me a list and telling me to like fix it right uh i i guess i'll do the best i can the point i'm saying but um i I don't want to say i'm getting a little burnt out on it uh but there are definitely some redundancies in the emails um and and i feel like i feel like uh people aren't really putting in their full effort in the emails um so just you know well, go ahead rob well i was gonna say too for for, for those that are, that are looking for this advice i would advise them to come and join the competitive 40k group uh we have lists being post literally like some days it seems like we were up in the 50s to 80 posts a day on lists being posted people discussing about lists tweaking units asking for advice so i mean if, if you're getting overwhelmed pablo i, I i'd you know, I'd recommend people come over to Comp40K and, and post their list and have a discussion. Well, 
you know what you're right maybe maybe i'm just getting a little a little grumpy um because i've i've also i've had a i'm a little bit behind on the email answering um and i'm sure mm-hmm. i'll get right back into it uh, as soon as i spend a couple hours devoting to clearing out the email um but i would just use it going to competitive 40k and also emailing me i'm not going to deter you guys yeah. uh so that's pretty much it um rob thanks very much for coming on buddy look forward to hearing more from you in the future possibly oh yeah absolutely all right uh and then of course when Battlezone ursa comes on i'll probably get rob on uh i'll probably have a special Battlezone ursa episode uh and then you guys can look forward to that look more for me from nova from iron halo and all the other tournaments coming up in the future anyways guys thanks very much for listening have a good one take care